Hey kids, this is Yoshi, and this episode of podcast is brought to you by Punk Apparel. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI, Y-O-S-H-I, in all caps, at the checkout for 15% off all items. Punk Apparel accepts all major currencies and offer free worldwide shipping. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI. You're listening to... Yoshi Obayashi. All right, uh, welcome to the new episode, Yoshi Den. Um, I'm here with Ty Barnett, uh, one of the great stand-up comedian and friend of mine for many years. And that's right. I finally got him on my show, and um, I, I, Ty, I don't, I don't know what to say because you've done so many shows on t- television shows. I mean, you've done it all. You travel overseas. You've done college college gigs. You worked on major comedy clubs throughout the world. And um, I'm really happy for you. But before we even uh, we start recording, one word that keep popping in my head whenever I think about you, it's always that work. No. Oh. Yeah, you, you work really hard. And you never bitch and complain, you know, taking care of your family. I know you get up in the early in the morning and working for pharmaceutical. You work at the, uh, you're a pharmacist, right? Uh, yeah. Pharm- yeah, pharmacy tech. Uh, so you guys know legally it was in a real building, yeah. a facility. Uh, yeah, I used to work in Virginia Mason in Seattle, and um, that's where I started comedy. And you know what? That's all I know is 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 work. Working, is that's all I know. I don't know yeah. any other way. I feel weird when I don't. Just this these last two years were um, where I worked on other stuff, like I've been working on uh, acting and writing and stuff like that, sure. as opposed to being on the road as much. But I always feel like if I've been sitting around for too long, I'm like I, I need to go do something, you know. Um, and it's just been that way for a long time. Yes, I have to take care of my kids, so that is a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, but another part of it is that I love what I do. I still love comedy. And you know this. You know from when we started, man. This is, I think, and you know, who we start with? Like four, five, seven, seven groups. Seven, seven different people. Yeah. And we all... Um, had a, uh, the common work ethic. We all wanted to be funny. That's it. That's how Se- that's the, the Seattle... People ask me, is there a difference between scenes? Is there a difference between the New York scene, L.A. scene, and other scenes? Seattle is one of those areas, man, where when we were coming up, like, you know, we saw people like Rod Long, David Crow, uh, Kermit Apio. You know, these guys, And when they got on stage, they killed it. Yeah. Every night, they, they killed it. And we would look at them like, oh, shit, they, they really? And, and, and they're being clean, which is another thing people would ask me, like, how, do you, how are you able to be funny and be clean? It's like, in Seattle, that's, that's all we know. Another guy I want to add is Brad Upton and uh, these guys. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, they're funny guys and decent human beings. You know, decent human beings, funny guys, and they really, really worked hard. And and another thing that I, I really appreciate, I think Mitch Hedberg was a part of the scene too. Yeah. And I I have to say, unlike some of the scenes outside of Seattle, I mean, you see little a lot of it in L.A., but these guys actually, when you get something, they're really happy. Like all the guys I remember in Seattle, we can be more happy and proud of you when you when you were get on TV, when you got on Tonight Show. Um, uh, it's like that scene from Goodfellas, you know, when 
Robert De Niro's character and Ray Liotta's character when they find out Joe Pesci's character is going to be made. And like, uh, we were fucking thrilled and excited that you you did a Tonight Show. You know they not, not just him. once, but <laughs> twice. So I don't know how many times you did a lot. <laughs> you, you know, know they killed they killed Joe Pesci in it. Well, I think, uh, <laughs> minus that part, minus that part, minus that part. We, 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 we where's it right? Pop! Oh my god! <laughs> it's the worst kind of death because a half a second he he realized. I know, yeah, right? That's uh, the worst one. Just shoot me, but don't let me don't let me know. Dude, I, I'm not gonna lie. It, honestly. Uh, he was such a dick in that movie. Yeah. I, I couldn't even. Re- hey, you know what? Joe Pesci has that 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 thing to where when he dies in the movie, you hardly ever feel sorry for him. No, you feel like yeah, he had that coming. He had that coming. He did, it was the same thing in uh in Casino when they Ooh. beat him. Remember they beat him with the bat. It's it that's a <laughs> it's so weird that we went from your how happy we are to this unpleasant murder. Know, sorry, but it was it was such an unpleasant casino because they beat his brother like a pig. Yeah, and he's watching them kill yes. his brother, and they just put him in a fucking I in the ground. Dude, that, and uh, it is brutal. God, white but, people are just awful. Um, but no, okay, so no, back to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I honestly. Uh, I, I comedy is the only, not the only thing, but one of the few things that I actually s- said this is what I want to do. Yeah, and w- I work towards it because you know, and when you're a kid, you want to be so many different things. Sure, you, you think about I want to be an astronaut, I want to be a basketball player, whatever. I want to be, you know, writer. W- once I said I wanted to be a stand-up, and I knew that I was getting a, a, a certain response, I knew that it was going to take me working towards it, but I also knew that. This is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Sometimes people like you know it takes years for them to figure out what it is they want to do, and stand up has been that thing for me where I feel more comfortable on stage than off. So to me, I work very hard at it, but I, to me, I always feel like I'm just working at staying happy <laughs> at, yeah. at, at, at something, you know, because I've been on stage at times um, where it all makes sense. It makes sense while I'm on stage. It's the before and after sometimes. So. I've been doing this for 17, I don't know how, how many years, 17 some years. And the thing that still remains the same is that feeling I get right before they introduce me and right when I walk on stage. Is it? I was just at the improv last night yeah. and I'm, I'm dead tired, I'm exhausted, I've been waiting around all day to get this spot. And the second they introduce me, it's, it's, it feels like I'm just not getting on stage for the first time. So as long as that's there, then I'll continue to work. <clears throat> at it because I know I still got more stuff to say. It's just um you know the you know the the business has changed a little bit from when we first got in sure. this dude. It's it's do you let me ask you something. Do you think it's gotten better or worse? The quality of comedy. What do you think? Well it, it, it complicates things because um you're you you're old school. You believe in working hard. You 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 never say I want this and I want that. You always say work first. And it's got to be frustrating for people like yourself who work really hard. When you hear these kids, oh. they make a three-minute goofy YouTube clip or they say something clever on Twitter account. The next thing you know, it, they're, they're, they're on something. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I, 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 won't, I, won't, I won't get mad for them to take in something, but are every one of these guys are ready to go no. to the next level? No. Because maybe no. some, but... No, because you know what? you can't you can't fake skill you can't fake it you can fake a, um something witty you can fake that like i, said, yeah. I just said something witty everyone has the capability of saying something sure. witty 
but it'll come out eventually. It, it'll be known whether you can do this or not. So to, to honestly answer your question, yeah, it's, it's a little frustrating sometimes when you sure. see these people that come out and, you know, they, they got nine million Vine followers and, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, you take time to actually put a clip together that actually has jokes, laughs sure. and everything. And you got to fight for that video to even get noticed. But I will say, I, I can honestly say there's nothing that I put online myself that I don't stand behind. Yeah. Everything that I put up there, I'm like, okay, I guarantee you, you're going to example, my daughters, <laughs> my daughters who, uh, they like to bring up people <clears throat> on Vine and Instagram and stuff like that, that are, uh, that have viral videos. Sure. So one day they pointed out somebody was doing a cinnamon challenge. And they said, hey, you got to watch this girl. She, she's very funny. She's very funny. She's doing the cinnamon challenge. And for the people that don't know what that is, that's where people... I don't eating. know what that is. Oh, I will tell you. It's people were eating a spoonful of cinnamon, and they were just recording their reactions to swallowing a spoonful of cinnamon. That's the bullshit that they're putting on yeah. stuff now. And again, this thing had a million hits. It's a million hits of somebody choking off cinnamon. So my daughters are like, hey, you got to check this out. This person's hilarious. Sure. hilarious. So they showed me the video of this person, and it says that she says she's a comedian as well. And so my daughter... Whatever that may be. Yeah, it could yeah. be anything. Anybody could be a comedian. Everybody, everybody's a comedian. And so my daughter's friend was there, and she said, does your dad really watch YouTube? And my daughter says, uh, yeah, he doesn't really watch anything that has more views than him. This is my kid saying this. So I'm like, okay, all right, I got you. This is my baby. That's <laughs> yeah, the only reason, yeah, yeah. only reason she can get away with it is yeah. this is my baby. It's fine. But I said, let me show you something. Let me show you the difference. And so they showed that video. They're laughing at this video. I'm not laughing at it. But it said that this girl was a comedian. So we went and found some YouTube videos of her doing comedy. Yeah. I had my kids watch the same person doing comedy. Yeah. They didn't laugh once. Right. Not no, su all. no surprise there. Yeah, exactly. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, so then I go to one of my clips that has less views. Yeah. But I play the clip, and not only do they laugh, but the people in the video are laughing. Yeah. So I'm like, that's the difference. That That's the difference to me. So, yeah, it's frustrating a little bit because you feel like, what is the barometer? And I'll tell you something, man. I actually had a comedy manager tell me, this was about two weeks ago, comedy manager tell me that being funny is not the most important thing in entertainment. <laughs> Those words came out of his yeah, mouth. Yeah. That being funny was right. not the most important thing. Right. And I had, if you would have told me this 17 years but again, ago. he's managing uh, a comedy in North Korea, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you would have told me that 17 years ago, that being funny didn't matter, I wouldn't work. I'd be like, okay, cool. I just got to find a way to get somebody to see me. I, I, I could kind of understand what that person's saying it's really weird it's a different skill set to get a huge number of hits you know like i'm i'm too old like i think i could probably comfortably say do you probably agree with me i love leno i know a lot of people say shit about him leno was good to you um and then he had a huge ratings but they're specifically looking for that younger demographic, 18, 30, 35, and 40. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it is a stereotypical thing to say. They have a short uh, attention span. So those clips that... I'm Jimmy, sorry, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, the guy's genius. I mean, I, I don't fault him to taking Tonight Show. You know, he got it. And his numbers are unbelievable. And uh, when it comes to YouTube and those small clips, Leno and Letterman, 
they just don't do that well. Maybe they don't want to do. I don't know, but I don't think they care about it. I don't think those. Well, two that do that doesn't help. That doesn't help. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think those two specifically do because they are older. They yeah. to them they're like I don't know what. Why? Why would I click on and do this? You don't need to know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. I'm rich. You know what I'm saying? So I get why they wouldn't. But guys like us in this era where we're still like. You know, like I'm not at the level where I have to take any comedy gig. Thank mm-hmm. God, thank the Lord that I've, I've worked <clears throat> enough to where I don't have to do certain right. things. But I still have goals. I still have stuff that I want to do. Sure. Now I will tell you, his his the the. By the way, I uh, if if you don't if you're listening to this show overseas, you know, being on tonight's show once is amazing. But it, it, no, I just want to make clarify. Ty also was finalist. And last comic standing, and he should have fucking won. I, I, I'm not. He, you know, he, he. I don't want him to say something like, "Oh, you know, it was fair." Or whatever. I'm just telling you. I don't <laughs> think it was. You should have won. When it comes to talent wise and being funny wise, you should have won. And you uh, don't have to make comment because you're a decent guy. But I'm just saying. No, I appreciate uh, it. I, I appreciate mean, it. it was ridiculous. So um, you're right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, you know what, dude? And and I always tell people. Um, <clears throat> I'm still amazed at some of the stuff that that has happened in my life because I I still because I go to movies I still go to movies and I'm like man that's kind of cool yeah that these people are doing this and then I'll turn around and I'll get a letter from SAG yeah and I'll get residuals so part of me still can't believe that I'm in this this business that I'm in this life sure um, and that's why I said I still have I still have this love for performing that. Uh, I honestly think it's, it's part of what I'm supposed to do. Like, you know, sometimes you feel in life like uh, I can easily do this. I could easily do that. Sure. I'm not going to say names of these people, but I've talked to comedians that we both know that we're, we're close to that we know. And we had a conversation about comedy one day and uh, I was trying to get to another set. And then I said, I got another set after that. Sure. You know? And they was like, man, I'm going to go home. And I said, you don't want to go try and grab another set? He's like, ah, I don't know. He said, I, I, I like stand up, but I don't love it. That's what they say. They say, I sure. like it, but I don't love it. And to me, this is a business that you got to love it. You can't just like stand-up. It's, it's, it's too fucking hard. It's, yeah. too, it's, it's too, too rough. It's too, it's too judgmental. It's too crazy for you to do this and not love it. And that's one of the, ra- the ways that I know that why the reason I'm doing this must be love because I can't. It's too shitty otherwise. Because when um, when you're doing it, I remember the early years, like, it was fun. Like, we, we were friends. This is like high school 2.0. We're doing sit. Mm-hmm. It's fun. And, you know, Ty, you don't get enough credit because I think a lot of uh, guys will use their good look or just personality to win the audience. But you almost made me laugh. You're sitting at the Comedy Underground's bar with a piece of paper you're writing like almost trying to solve a mathematical <laughs> but you really you know what I mean like yeah. well uh, then, you took that stuff seriously you know it, it, that's not any more different than seeing Chris Rock a comedy seller with a notebook he's tweaking and working on stuff you know yeah well and, and that's the thing because I feel like um once you get on stage at the end of the day yeah you, you can be known for something they can say hey I saw this person on this I saw yeah. this person on that but if they're, if you're not funny, if you're not walking off that stage getting the laughs that you you should get, then you wasted people's time. Sure. And you wasted your and money and yeah, their you money, wasted yeah. your time and money, and that was somebody else's time. So I've always felt like, and you know how it was in Seattle when we started, like it was two clubs. 
There was giggles and the underground. Come. That was it. Yeah. There was no uh, small room where you can get up on a. If you didn't get up on stage in them places, you didn't get on stage. Yeah. So every time you got on stage, it meant something. It was a big deal. And I've seen comics, especially here in, 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 in L.A., I've seen some of the comedy store. And these guys, the attitude that they have when they walk on stage, I'm like, like, they don't give a fuck. Like, one dude actually said, you know, I was a part, I was at a party that was better than this. Yeah. That's what he said to the audience. I'm like, what? I can't, I can't wrap my brain around that. So I, I, I think that they're a little spoiled because of course, they, of course. They, they figure like, I'm doing the same show and there's like Louis C.K., Bill Burr, Chris Rock, David Hill. They think they're the, they're, they're in a, they're their colleagues <laughs> at the not. same level. They're not. I mean, just they're not. You know, and think about that, man. We looked up to the people we looked up to didn't even have credits. They were just super fucking funny. Mm-hmm. They were just awesome, fucking funny people, and we looked at them like, Shh, I'm on the same show as David Crow. What, yeah. man? I I remember once. <laughs> I remember two years in the comedy, Bremerton. I was doing a gig in Bremerton, and it was me and David Crow. We were co-headlining. I don't know how to, I, I forgot what I had done to deserve that yeah. at the time because I knew I was just starting. And, and for those of you who don't know David Crow, he was the first guy to win Seattle Comedy Competition, San Francisco Comedy that's Competition. That's right. Funny guy. Look him up. Uh, and he has yeah. a Showtime special. Yeah. Very funny the guy. Showtime special that he he produced and everything himself put it up. Very funny dude. Yeah. Um, And so I, I remember I was running late for the show. I was running late for the show. And, you know, on the way to the show, I thought I was going to be going first. But then David said, hey, I'll just go up before you. And then, but in my head, I'm like, I right, yeah, fuck it. That's right. Yeah. You go up first. Yeah, I'll go up after you. I'm going to follow you. Yeah. Man, I got there. Hey, all I can say is I probably should have went first. <laughs> I probably should have went first. And I knew it. I knew it. But it was no nothing else I could do because I was already you know that's how the show was structured. But the fact that this but he's dude, been doing it longer, yeah, and, and he's, he, a, he's, he's a killer on stage. Exactly. Yeah. So I took that lesson with everything because once you become a headliner, once I became a headliner, it was a different mentality for me. Now yeah. it's like I can't be sitting at the bar just chilling, bullshitting. I can't. I got to make sure this show is on point. I got to sure. make sure that these are tight because it's going to be two or three dudes. They come up before me that's going to try and be funnier than me. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So I always had that mentality of I wanted, I want people to feel like the show went up. Sure. It was an ascension to the show. It wasn't like, oh, if, you have, you've been to a show when someone comes up and says, oh, I like that person, but you were better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't. The worst want- one is, man, you're funny. Oh, you're okay too. But man, you were, you were, you were really funny. You're okay. But you're, you're. <laughs> I remember, dude, one time. I did a show and it was we did it was a, I did a guest set. I forgot where it was. This is you know years ago, and I can't remember the dude's name, but we used to call him Vanilla Ice because he looked he looked he was a white kid looked like Vanilla yeah. Ice, and uh, and so he had went up and I guess that particular night was his night. He killed it. He yeah. did what he ever had to do. We were standing next to each other outside the club, and I think it was Tacoma. And the lady comes up, and we're standing next to each other. She goes up to him, and she's like, "Oh my God, you were so." funny oh my god you were hilarious oh my god and she just looked at me rolled her eyes and walked away yeah like she didn't walk away she just looked at me made eye contact and rolled her eyes and walked away 
And I said, well, you know, of course you don't like that. But it's those types of things where you don't want to feel like you didn't do your job. Yeah. So <clears throat> my mentality when I get on stage, even if I look like I'm bullshitting, like I'm tired, in my head I'm like, I'm counting the laughs. I still do it. Last night I did it at the improv. <laughs> I'm counting the laughs in my head. I'm like, did, did they laugh as much as this person? Did I get as many laughs per second as yeah. this person? Because that's how I'm trained. My ears are trained. Laughter means you're doing your job. Some of these motherfuckers now believe that the lack of laughter doesn't make a difference. And I'm like, how is that even fucking possible? You work in a business based off laughter. And you mean to tell me if you're getting little laughs, you, you feel like you did a great job? Sure. And so some of these newer guys, and like you said, we can't fault them. If somebody gave me a show two years in, yeah, I'm going to take it. I'll take a TV show two years in, damn straight. I don't, hey, I'll give a fuck. So I'm not faulting them for that. It's just they got they got to get rid of this mentality of feeling like you're at the same level performance-wise. You're not. You may have credits. Yes, you do. You may have followers. Yes, you do. But when you get on that stage, people will know whether you can fucking do. Yeah, when I meet some 24-year-old, 25-year-old kid saying, oh, I have an hour or whatever, right? Whatever. I'm sure you have an hour. Hour of what? Of but, what? But, yes, there's rare occasion every once in a while, maybe every... 30, 50 years, you have a guy who's around 24 does that, and that person's name is, you know, Eddie Murphy. Yes. 24, SNL, three major movies, stand-up special, music, yeah, them, you know, Gumby, you know, yeah. all the characters. Yeah, you, you do have those kind of crazy talent. But that's not everybody. That's not everybody. No, it's you know. not everybody, and that's what I'm saying. Some of us, you know... I was always, I've always been that person that said I'll never, I never ask for anything before I feel like I, I can handle it or before sure. I think I deserve it. <laughs> I didn't ask to be, I didn't ask to get paid at this until I was ready. I didn't ask to feature until I was ready. I didn't, I didn't ask to headline until I was ready. And I wish the state of comedy would be better if more people took that. Like, so take that show. Yeah. They're giving you that show. Take that show, but still build your skills. Don't take that show and not build your skills because now when they see you, they're going to feel like, wait, how did you get a show? Bless you. How did you get a show? You're the best of the best, but you're not even that funny. So when we did Last Comic, I'll give you a prime example. When we did Last Comic, I was the only comedian on that show, on that season, in the top, that, that finished in the, 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 the top 10 that had more, I had the most years experience in performing. Right. Everybody else was still kind of new at even being uh, a comedian or headliner. Yeah, and none of them were headliners. Like, and that. I don't know how many times they say they would say stuff like, "Sorry, you can't pick that guy. We we need one more woman on the show. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we we need one more of this or that." You that's know? the shit that happens. Yeah. People, and I, I I really don't think that's not a joke. It. That's a, that's a, that's that's a, real. Yeah, that's real shit. People don't think they don't believe that. And and I feel bad for some of these people at home when they watch the shows and they feel like. You know, they think it's it's the most fair thing. It's not always the fairest thing. Sometimes it's just about statistics. It's yeah. numbers. Okay, we got to get a Asian person. We got to yeah. get a black person. We got to get a guy. We got to get a girl. We got we got to get a, a handicap uh, dude. You know what I'm saying? It it it, it happens. That's but and, and 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 then first of all, and then Josh's defense, just in in reference to that, Josh, the guy who actually dude. won yeah. the season, yeah, Josh is a funny dude. He's a funny dude, and uh, he I, he does care about what he does. It's just you know, like I said, he was new. He was newer at it, um, and I think. And I'm biased. Like no, I appreciate that. Ah, <laughs> believe me, other people. Two were reasons too. because I you make me laugh, and um, um, 
I think you're better. But you're also you're, you're also my friend. So, um, mm. whatever. No, I but. appreciate it. And that's the thing, man. But here's here's the thing that's been the 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 common theme for any comedian that you see that when they get on stage they do it. Chris Rock, multimillionaire, that probably doesn't even have to tell another joke in his life, but he's still in the clubs, still has a notepad. Dave Chappelle, enough said. He's Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Notepad. He's still in the clubs. He's still working on Seinfeld, who doesn't even have to do shit. He's got that much money. Still works at it. Jay Leno, same thing. Still works at it. It's certain people. It's that, in their blood, man. That's it. Exactly. And that's, that's for me, that's where I'm with stand-up because I, it's helped me. It, I've seen more of the world. I've accomplished more things. I've done more things. And I've been able to live the, the life that I live because of stand-up. Because of telling jokes, because of of, of yeah. being uh, being able to do this, so I take it so seriously that it hurts me sometimes to see some of these guys some not, bullshit thing, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm like, come on, man! If you're gonna get this this platform, use it. Don't fuck it over, man. Do something with that and be serious about it. Don't just look at it like, yeah, yeah, I'm supposed to get this. No, you're not. I I, I think if you started doing comedy in L.A., it's probably you learn bad oh. habit. Or, or you have this unrealistic expectation. Some of them do achieve those, but uh, if you start in like places like Seattle or Iowa or one of those places with no show business stuff, I think you're doing it because you really like it. Yeah, I, I remember, and this is this is something that I I do too. Even now, and I'm sure you do too. Like during you during the day, like oh, I actually have a premise for a joke. I, you know, I I think I think I have it. So you're excited because. It's uh, for somebody who's not a comedian. It's hard to relate, but it's amazing. Like, no artificial intelligence computer could ever write a joke. No. It's impossible. They can't. But you have this thought. Like, I think I have an idea for funny. You get on stage. These sounds that come out of your mouth, and they hear and register in your heads, and laughter and comes laugh. out. Not. It's not because you brought a bunch of your friends. These motherfuckers don't even know you. Nope. That that to me is the fun, That's pleasant. Yeah, it's a gift, man. His, and, and this is what I always tell people, and this is what makes me mad about comedy bookers that that don't treat comedians well, comedy clubs that act like we're, we're fucking strippers and shit, and like we, you know, they 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 don't value what we bring to to the table to the stage. Um, no disrespect to strippers, but I mean we have a lot of respect for them. Yes, they, it's funny actually. They have, some comedy club bookers have more respect for strippers than they do yeah. comedy club comedians. But <clears throat> what you do is a gift, like you just said. You have a thought, you put it out there on stage. They yeah. hear it, they laugh. That's an yeah. emotion. You yeah. created an emotion from your thought process and your writing and your words. Yeah, that's what happened. That's and to be able to do that on a regular basis. Sure. You mean to tell me you don't think that's special? You don't think that's something that should be cherished and nurtured, especially as fucked up as the world is? Yeah. People like us, they need more people like us. They need more people that want us to come out there and help. I've had, man, I've had as much television as I've done, as as as, as many things as I've accomplished in this business. Certain things still touch me more than other things. I had a lady tell me one time, she's like, you helped me get through brain surgery. And I didn't know what she meant. She said, I'm not saying you performed surgery. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying that I watched your comedy and it made me laugh and it helped me feel better through this process. Sure. I'm like, whoa, I never met this lady before. You know what I'm saying? But she came up and she said, this is what you did 
to help me. Yeah. And that's, to me, I always got to take that seriously. So it makes me angry when I hear comedy clubs not ch- nurturing that. Um, so there's, 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 there are attitudes because they don't, there's no money in it. Whereas we were very lucky living near Seattle, Washington, Comedy Underground. And I, I interviewed this person, Carl, who was a guy who running the show Sunday, Monday, open mic nights and how nurturing he was. And he cared about people. I can't say Carl's last name. Warmenhoven. Uh, War- uh, I know it's so <laughs> And um, he really cared about it. He cared about the process. He was encouraging. Even people that had little or no talent, he was so encouraging. And very few clubs have that because if they're not getting paid, it, it just it really was coming out of love. Like I interviewed Craig Gass too, and we all we every, anyone from that era when he was working there, we have nothing but love for Carl. Just yeah. nothing but love for because Carl. Because you can tell he cares not only about comedy, but he cares about the the comedians, the the people performing it. Yeah. And he can tell. He'll tell you. Carl will look at you, and he could tell whether you were bullshitting or whether you really cared about what you put on stage. Sure. And that's what I always loved about him because he wouldn't allow you to get up there and bullshit up there. He yeah. wouldn't. The only time you were allowed to, and that was open mic, and you got two minutes. You got two, two and a half minutes. That's it. So... But when I see this, and so this this is what I mean by how special I know comedy is. I used to say how special I think comedy is. How special I know comedy is. If you want to be a doctor, you know what I'm saying, um, you can go read a book, you can go to school, you can learn how to be a doctor. Sure. They will give you a certificate and say, yo, she's a doctor. If you're not funny, man, I don't give a fuck what school you go to. Not, that shit's not going to help you, man. No, it's not going to do anything for you. So that automatically makes it special yeah. to do that. You know what I'm saying? I wish I could be a ninja sometimes. I don't know what the fuck it takes to be a ninja. <laughs> I'm not even flexible enough to be a fucking ninja. So I have to look at that as special. Yeah. It amazes me that people don't look at comedy that way to say, hey, I can't do what these people do. I can't get up on that stage and make these people laugh. But they will still look down on cats that are able to do this and make a living at it. Not just do it, but have been making a living and feeding their family off of this. So, Okay, so this is the part why, before we start recording, why I was recommending you visit Scandinavia. Because, um, you know, I, I, I left Washington State, fuck, 11 years ago. And I, I didn't move down here for show business stuff. I just couldn't deal with, like, a family situation, you know. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I've been down here for a long time, and it, it's not necessarily fun doing some of the shows because the culture is a little weird, right? The, the people have an ulterior motive doing comedy. So it was tough. But four or five years ago, when my friend Jason Rouse recommended me to come to Scandinavia and do shows, I was like, I don't know, man. It's just like it's always hit and miss for me because I do pretty harsh material. I don't know. It's another country. You're funny, dude, by the way. I don't know why you I, keep doing that. But... <laughs> But going to, going to Denmark, it really saved me because it was like 800 people in this room, rock bar place, right? And I just said the most horrible stuff. I mean, but they laugh, you know, like they really appreciate stand-up comedy yeah. as an art. Like in Norway, people wear a suit to go see comedy mm-hmm. show. And they call yep. you artists and shit, you know? Yep. And they're just amazed that you're able to do that. And um, I guess it's still such an early art form. So... Um, there's still a lot of excitement in places like uh, I've been to Estonia. It's not a Scandinavia, Estonia, one of the Baltic states. I went to Finland, uh, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and 
I kind of got recharged. Like I have a better attitude about it now. But mm -hmm. um, uh, when people treat you repeatedly, like we believe it or not, some comedians have feelings too. It's not like we drove 30, 40 miles to go to downtown Seattle to do comedy and we thought we had a good material. It just doesn't quite work. Because for most part, most comedians do like what they're doing. And then for especially our friends and the people in our group took it pretty seriously. Oh, yeah. Know? Because you know what? I, th I think honestly, uh, and I don't know how 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 you guys necessarily. I didn't get into it thinking that I would be famous or make money. I didn't. I never even thought. I never even. That, to me, I was like, okay, I want to try these jokes out. All right, I want to yeah. see if these are funny. Oh, these are funny. Okay, let me see if I can come up with some more funny stuff. Oh, I got some funny stuff. Let me do that. Remember, we would drive to Canada to do five minutes to do a five minute guest yeah. spot, man. The the Urban Well, dude. We would drive. Two plus hours to do five minutes. Now, mind you, yes, they had some honeys up there too, so we would hang out for a little bit. But it's also and you could smoke uh, special kind of cigarettes uh, up there, and nobody bothers man, you. Man, oh man, I I thought about moving to Vancouver. <laughs> and at one point, man, I was like, "Whoo, man, y'all don't need to put this in front of me." But the, the thing about it is, man, I honestly, uh, I. I, I I have, I have, I've. This is one of the few times where I've had the emotions about comedy that that I do now because I still love it. I still get excited to be up on stage. I still have that that energy and that enthusiasm to perform. Sure. But I always feel like there are certain things that have happened to me that make me know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Like this is. I'm. 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 Comedy wise, this is. I'm. I, I know what I do because I've you know I've I've had sh I've stressed on the way to a show I've been in a shitty mood on the way to a show sure. but the second they say my name and they say hey Ty Barnett and I come out I'm like hey, okay all right let's forget all about all the other shit right now I got you guys for the next hour that's what we're gonna do and that feeling right there to me is is a performance so when you talk about Scandinavia and how they appreciate stuff London same thing. They look at it as an art form. Yeah. Like it's 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 um theater art. That's what they look at it. It's like, like you said, they come in, all right, cool, we paid our money, here's our money, boom, and we want to buy drinks and we want to buy something to eat. They they do that. They buy the tickets, the food, and the drink. Yeah. That's what they expect to do. America, man, we we don't get, get off the stage, faggot. I don't know how many times somebody said that to me. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> well, see that the thing about it. These guys here, I and, and I think part of what it is is that they only believe that there is two types of comedian. Yeah, you either shitty, you're starting at the bottom, you're playing bars or whatever, or Chris Rock's Chris Rock. Yeah, that's it. There's no middle. There, there is no, there are no Daryl Lennoxes. There, there are no, um, there's no uh, Rocky Laportes. Yeah. There, there are no, no. You know what I'm saying? It's it's all of these guys that you either not worth my time or I need to pay you all my money, and we got a lot of guys in the middle that are really good dudes, very funny cats. Uh, which, by the way, I don't know if you guys know this and have not seen Yoshi's one of the funniest cats that that I've ever met. Even he's the only person. To be honest with you, I'm gonna tell you this for real. You're the only person that I've met that when they think they having a shitty set, is still fucking hilarious. Well, that's very nice of you to say. <laughs> it is. I'm telling you. Hey, man. Um, every time, it, every time that I've watched you, I've, I've said, I'm saying, watch this, watch it. And I tell people, say, no, no, seriously, watch them, watch them. 
And then you'll get laughs when you're not even, I don't even think you're trying, but you'll get the laugh. And then by the time you get off stage, it's like, oh, that was horrible. I'm like, did you fucking hear <laughs> they were laughing? I guess, I guess, you know, I'm kind of same with you because old material, they laugh. Yeah, I've done it so many times. They heard it, but I'm always like since hypersensitive. I'm almost always concerned about new ones. Like, right. And and you know you you done this stuff long enough like you, they give you some reaction it's not quite right maybe I'm missing a word or I need to take a word out of there yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying yeah. so uh, I think it's more more of anything like I'm trying to figure out oh like it didn't quite work if it's complete shit a couple of times and like yeah I shouldn't be doing but if you get enough reaction like okay I I need to you gotta tweak it, it. Yeah, yeah you need to tweak it and this is a part why comedians are sensitive because. You, you practice over and over this maturity you've been working on. Eventually, you get it right two, three months later, and some motherfuckers steal that from uh, you. That's why uh, sometimes com some comedians, you grab some guys and against choke them. Choke them. <laughs> and hello, El Fox. And, uh, or punch them or threaten them because it's not just telling jokes like it's just a facial expression, your body movement. You know, the, the, this it's almost like a hitting a baseball, like the hand eye coordination. Like, your facial, your verbal right. body yeah. coordinating same time and timing and deliver to you guys, you know. So we work, we work hard on it. Of course, end result when they laugh, like, oh, he may, he must be so easy because he's a funny person. But like even Robin Williams, I've heard other people saying like he would practice, 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 and that's how good he was. He made you think like, like he's, just, he, he's doing it for the first time. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it, we're partly magician in that way. Here's, you know, here's what trips me out about people who who steal material. I don't really blame them as much as I blame the people for not calling them out for it. Yeah. Have you ever heard this before? Like someone say, "Oh yeah, I've heard the joke before," but yeah, you guys kind of share material. No, no, we don't. We don't fucking know. There is no. This is not like a. This is not Facebook. We don't share photos and shit. We don't do that. This is your intellectual material. If this is a law, if this if this was a court, your joke is considered intellectual material. That's what it is. So to me, when I see people that so blatantly steal it and they and they act like nonchalant about yeah. it, and and it's just so you guys know, it's not just comedians that are starting out. There are some big name comedians. That's still material and don't give a fuck. I won't say any names, but yeah, <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, but the and, and, and by the way, I think sometimes people confuse cinema uh, comedy material with music. Like, well, other people play other people's music, but you know that they're they're singing Led Zeppelin music. That's right. There's no illusion. <laughs> they because m music doesn't require surprise. See, right. the punchline is the surprising part. So after a while, if you heard the material, after a while you don't, you probably don't want to hear it because you already know where the yeah. funny is coming. Music, it you, you don't surprise is not an element you're no. looking for. So we're just fucking sensitive you, about you it. You can't you can't come out there and be like, uh, I'm gonna do this character uh, called Mud House. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's, you sure it's not mud bone? I'm pretty sure Richard Pryor did it. Yeah. No, I don't know what you're talking about. This is mud house. It's yeah. a different different thing. But I'm gonna tell you, here's a funny story about still people stealing material. I used to do this joke about uh homeless people with signs. Yeah. And you know, I did this shit years ago. Yeah. Years ago. And something about la laminated. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, how can you afford to get it laminated? Um and I remember doing the joke. I I started doing it in Seattle. And you know I moved and I you know in oh, LA no. and stuff, 
And I remember going back to LA one, I mean, going back to Seattle one day, and somebody said, hey, man, you know, somebody took your joke. Somebody took your, your joke. But I had already had the joke out there. So I didn't think nothing about it. And I wasn't even doing it anymore. I yeah. was like, oh, yeah, it is. Well, yeah, I don't give a fuck. I didn't care. Who was it? I can't remember this dude's name, man. I can't. <laughs> I can't remember. But whoever did it was a newer guy. Yeah. It was a newer guy that did it, and he was starting in Seattle. And so uh, I how, told How hard did you punch him? No, you know what's crazy? <laughs> I'm you kidding. Know, I'm no, kidding. No, no. You don't do that. No, I, no. Well, I, I've thought about it. But it, this guy, okay, so when this happened, I didn't think nothing about it. I was like, okay, I don't even do the joke anymore. It's fine. It's what it is. So fast forward to uh, last comic, and I'm doing the show, and I said, you know what? I don't want to waste some of this other these other jokes i'm gonna save them for later if sure. i make it to the next round let me do these jokes yeah. that i have forgotten about yeah. and that was one of the jokes that i did right, right. so i do the joke blah blah blah. people laugh because they yeah. hadn't seen it and so somebody wrote on uh either i think at the time it was myspace whatever facebook yeah. whatever the fuck it was somebody wrote dear mr barnett are you familiar with the term plagiarism yeah which, by the way, they spelled plagiarism wrong. Yeah. So they weren't even familiar with the term plagiarism. And it was like, the joke you do about the sign, blah, 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 this is such and such joke. They did it on The Daily Show. Apparently what happened was the person that stole the joke from me did the joke somewhere. Somebody from The Daily Show saw that. Yeah. And they, the dude passed it off like it was his joke. So, happens all the time. Right. So I wrote the person back. Because normally I, I, I don't really respond to shit like that, but two things don't fuck with me on. Two things don't call me. Don't call me a bad father and don't call me a thief. Yeah. And don't fuck with, no, I don't steal jokes. All right. Don't fuck with my comedy and don't fuck with my. my, yeah. my That's 100% guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, so I wrote the person back. I said, such and such, blah, blah, blah. This is the joke. I did it this time. You can ask, I actually gave names. I said, hey, you can call this person, this person. Boom. Never heard anything else from the person again. No. But now that person that took the joke, we worked together down the road. That dude went on stage. I can't remember this dude's name. Ate it. Hard, yo. Yeah. Hard to it. When he got off stage, he went home. Like, he didn't stick around. And he was embarrassed when he first saw me. He's like, hey, man. And I was like, ah, we're good. I'm not going to say nothing. Don't worry about it. Just go do yeah. your set. You know, but this is the type of shit that people think is common. You can't. It, that's somebody's material, man. That that's somebody. That's a, like you said, how special that is. That a thought came up yeah. and it evoked emotion. That's a thought. That's your thought. You can't take my fucking thoughts. You can't do that. No. So these guys need to stop that. And that's why I say I blame the people. The people need to start calling these people. I say, hey, no, that's somebody else's joke. Call them out on the shit. Then they'll stop. And you know, uh, that's one way of doing it. Of course, you have Louis C.K. He went the other way. He didn't call anybody out, but he just kept working at it because, um, you know, the whole story is um, Dane Cook supposedly stole a couple of his jokes and there was one episode of Louis and uh, the way I, I saw it, Louis have nothing to prove. Like, if you're a fucking Ferrari in the highway and a bunch of guys in Honda Civics trying to challenge yeah. you, you don't have to even race. You already know who's the yeah. best. And there's, a, there's no need for that. It could have been pure coincidence, but my understanding from the industry is Dane supposedly stole those jokes and Louis just kept working. And now... There's not even question. Louis is one of, pound to pound one of the best stand-up comics yeah, in the world. Close. 
And uh, I remember talking to David Tell, somebody who I used to work a lot and like I was a mentor and somebody I look up to, and I still do. He's a, one of the funniest joke writer of all time. And I find out that someone in London's doing his um, stand-up word to word, beginning word. to end. Yeah, word to word. It's not even like you change the name of the character. <laughs> it's like word to word from the beginning of things to all the way hilarious. end, right? I said, like, Dave, what are you gonna do? Like, he said, like, what do you want me to do? Like, am I supposed to fly in London, punch the guy in the face? I'm like, if those people do it, maybe they get away. But in the long run. People know, like yeah. it, it, you know, it's just like you don't, you don't, um, and that's why I said people eventually will, and and I believe comedy is gonna have another renaissance. It will in America because and everywhere yeah. else, people seem to dig it in their own point. They they get it. America again will come around to this thing of of the cream rising to the top, sure. and, and 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 you know because again, um, it's almost like those kung fu movies. Where, uh, Why do you have to bring in that in uh, the story? Just making you me. feel at home. <laughs> just making you feel at home, All right. brother. Uh, but like, you ever watch the movie and the dude, you know, he's challenged and then yeah. like he doesn't, but he doesn't want to show his full skill. He's like, ah, oh, no, 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 I will just wait. And then the movie goes on, and they keep pushing him, and they push him, and they push him. And this dude goes into training, he comes back, and he fucking beats him with a fucking five-finger death touch yeah. or some shit. <laughs> it's that type of shit. Eventually, the five-finger death touch will come back, yeah. and they, the, the rest of these fakers will be gone. Because the, the people who really care about this and that are really gifted, you're going you're gonna to see that. Because, again, you can't pretend that. Right. You can't, I, can't, I can't pretend to do what I do on stage. I get on stage and I do it because this is part of it's part of my DNA now. Dude. Yeah. I, I and I, I, I really believe it. And I think even if you didn't make money and if you have a shitty job, I believe 100% that you would still do comedy because it's just, there's sometimes miserable night because things doesn't go right. But man, when you have those nights where, I don't know what it is. Like, it's like in sports analogies, some, some motherfucker, the baseball player, he's hitting every other things out of there. Or, you know, you're Ray Allen for NBA and like shooting every three and you're just making in one, Dude, one after it's, another. It's like a drug, man. Man, it's just, when you're on high. When things are going well, it's like there's nothing like it, you know. Um, I, I think, let me, so let me ask you this. So now, let's say you, you won $20 million. Somebody asked me this the other day. If you won $20 million. Would you stop doing stand-up? No. In fact, I think I'll be even more relaxed and not worrying about silly things like worrying about what other people think. Right, you know? right. And I'm old enough to them. Do you, do you ever look back in your life sometimes like kind of your friends or somebody remind you like, oh, remember when you were in high school, all these things bothered you? And like, I'm looking back like somebody older and like, why the fuck is that even problem? <laughs> yeah. Why was I crying about that, you yeah, know? Yeah, I know. So uh, now that I'm older... I'm going to comedy shows. It's really, it's fun again, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just had too many personal stuff in my life for a long time um, bugging me. And sometimes I'm so angry, and that was the problem. Sometimes I was so angry with my personal life, I go on stage and do something deliberately to make people upset, <laughs> you know. And Russell Peters says, Yoshi, you do understand that the, the idea of comedy is to make people happy and laugh. And, like, sometimes... It sounds so like that guy manager telling like laughter and being funny is not important. You know, like sometimes, you know, when you hang out with the wrong crowds, you know, yeah. Uh, sometimes you have to be run with the right comedy pack, you know. And I miss those guys in Seattle. And see, you know what, dude? And that's why I, I tell people they say, well, when you go to Seattle, uh, why do you go back so much? I mean, I go because my kids, of course, 
but I hang out with the same people yeah. that I hung out with. Yeah. And then when you guys are here and we're all hanging out in the same, I'm like, yeah, I want to hang out with my people. These are people I know. These are the people that I know care about the same shit I care about. Yeah. So it it and it's and I think what what happens is and again, man, this is not to clown any of these guys that get these shows, but it is to say. You know whether you are truly in this category or this category. Yeah. There's a category of opportunities there. Take it. Go with it. Yeah. Got it. And then there's the category of you are a fucking Jedi. Yeah. You know exactly what you're doing. You are in control. It's of funny that. you say that be with a hoodie on right now. I know, right? <laughs> Yoda in this bitch. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I believe that there's a difference. And I remember somebody telling me one time, um, Daryl Lennox, as a matter of fact. I remember Daryl Lennox when I first met. Very funny African American comedian won the uh, comedy competition in Seattle. If you guys guy. don't know Daryl Lennox, look him up. If you uh, Daryl is one of Daryl is in the top five of comedians in my life. Yeah. In my life that I've ever met, that I'm like, fuck, I gotta work on my shit. Yeah. He, he's that good. So I remember meeting him one time. I mean, the first time, the first time I ever met him was in Canada, and I had just finished my set. I had a good set, too. It was actually a pretty good yeah. set. And so I'm like, I'm ready to go hit the club now. Let's go. And as soon as I got ready to leave, he's like, you about to go out there and chase some pussy, ain't you? And I'm like, what? He's like, you about to go out here and go out to the clubs, ain't you? I'm like, yeah, I was, yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I am. <laughs> He's like, you need to be working on your jokes. Yeah. He's like, you funny, but you need to work on your jokes. I'm like, fuck. And that, it stuck with me so much because I'm like, that experience, even if, even if I would have went to the club and done that and done this and went here and did that, it's still not going to take the place of me building these things. These things are the things that are going to carry me from Canada yeah. to Chicago to Los Angeles to London to Dubai to, 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 to fucking Australia to all of these places that I've been because of this. And I don't think a lot of people take it as serious anymore because they feel like, oh, you don't even really need to be funny. Could you believe that? Saying that the business of comedy is not relying on being funny what the fuck? That's like saying, hey, man, yeah, we got a restaurant here, but we don't really deal with the food tasting good or anything. Um, I got to make one point and I got to go, uh, take a break for a second. But um, uh, we were talking um, before recording NBA and, and, and uh, you like Miami Heat and you wanted to complain yeah. that you had about them is that they're not working really hard. Well, you're from Chicago. Um, it hurts me to say it because I'm a Seattle Supersonics fan and yeah. we don't even have a fucking team. But Michael Jordan played for Chicago Bulls. And I remember, did you ever listen to his full, uh, whole, uh, full, uh, Hall of Fame speech? I, I, I watched some of it, not the whole thing, but I heard it was some, it was sounded bitter. It, 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 it's, no, well, to me, it was incredible. I, I fucking loved it. And um, I remember one time he was talking about during the speech, he was injured for most of the season and the team wanted uh, team to do really bad so they have another higher draft pick and he didn't give a fuck uh he didn't give a fuck he just want to go and get back and they told him please don't go we don't want to re-injure and he said you can't stop me because there's a thing called love the game clause and nothing's going to stop me from playing the game that's right and and and, 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 and this is what i do and they asked him what happened that the, the you know 
you have a headache and you can't play the game, and there, there's, they could give you medication to get rid of the headache, but out of the 10 medication that you could pick one of them, one of them have a cyanide. Would you even take it? And he said, well, it just depends on how bad is the headache. <laughs> and, um, but he said not, he's not going to pre- prevent something from him from playing. And this is not about money, even though he'd make a lot of money. But when you listen to a guy like that, it really is true. The love have to be there. Yeah. And, and, and nothing's going to stop them. You know what I mean? And so... You you have to... And and honestly, I will say, it, and there, I've had moments, man, where like I've had a rough day. I had a rough time. Sure. But I knew when I got on stage that it made sense for a minute. Like yeah. it, even if it's five minutes, seven minutes, an hour, it doesn't matter. It still makes sense. And I always tell people, like, you can't... You know, because comedians will ask me, some of the newer guys will ask me and say, you got any advice Yeah, for me? And I'm like... Stage time. Stage time is stage time is one, but I always tell them, like, I can't tell you what jokes to write because I don't know your style. I don't yeah. know your writing style. And I don't know you. Yeah. yeah. But I can tell you is that write what you think is funny and don't get into this business unless you love it. Yeah. You, you can't just like... Again, I go back, you can't just like it. It's too. It's too hard. Yeah. To just like, because like you said, you're not going to get the accolades that you think you should get all the time and right when you're supposed to get them. Right. But the thing that's supposed to be solid and and uh, unfalfable or whatever, fallible, whatever the word is, is that love for what you do on stage. Because people are going to see that. Yeah. I mean, I've been on stage with people that have a bigger name than me, but the energy I put on that stage makes people come up to me and they first of all they laugh at just as hard if not harder at my jokes as the uh, person that has a sure. tv show or movies and they come up to me after the show and they say you were the funniest one on the show yes i appreciate that thank yeah. you very much i don't go out there to purposely say hey i'm going to be better than this person i go out and say hey man i'm about to go over here and do my job yeah this is what i love to do i'm about to go make these people laugh and people feel that they feel it. I don't. I, I think people get. They don't give people enough credit for that. Sure. They feel it. So when you when you say Jordan goes out there and plays, and why he is still, even though people say, <laughs> which is funny, people say a lot of shit about Jordan, how he is personally, his business thing, his decisions with the Bobcats initially, how he's a yeah. bad general manager. But the one thing that they never say about this dude is that he wasn't the best. They never say that. They always say, he's the best basketball player, man. Yeah. I don't know about his general general manager skills, but he's a great fucking basketball player. And that's because he had a love for something that propelled him to work hard at that. I I would love to think that one day I'd be considered as one of the greatest to ever do it. And I know it's going to take work to be at that point. Because, uh, you know, you start out, you, you put uh, goals for yourself. You want to be uh, one of the best uh, new guys. Yeah. And then you want to be one of the best in the city. And then you want to be one of the best in the in the region. And then you want to be one of the sure. best in this. So I, I still have these goals. I always, But I always want people to know that when you come see me and you come see a show, what I'm putting on stage, that's me. That's really me. No yeah. bullshit. You're not a phony. No. Yeah. No. That, that's really me. And um, I hope everybody understands that you know w- what we do is special. I-, I can't. I can't stress that enough. I always. I always feel like sometimes I get on the soapbox about it, but I can't stress that enough how yeah. much I care about what this is. 
Uh, which is probably why I stress about it so much. If I didn't give a fuck about it, then I probably would. Um, I gotta go to the bathroom. Um, but um, <laughs> but, but it, it, it makes me ma- great segue. <laughs> it, it makes me mad. It makes me mad because National Endowment for Art will have scholarship for singing, dancing, playwright, uh, you know, painting, this and that. And because we say the haha business, we don't get respect, and, it, and it's one of the hardest things because you, there, there's really, I mean, there's a, a lot of idiots trying to teach stand-up comedy, but we they, we they don't really respect us. But when you see a guy who does it, unbelievable job, and we we you know I don't know these guys that well, I don't know them, but when you see like, you know, Chris Rocks of the world. That Jerry Seinfeld and Louis C.K. and David Till, you know these guys, and 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 they're still working at the level like it's just unbelievable. Joan Rivers is like one of the women. I I, I don't even say she, she's the best female comic. She's the best one of the best comic. Mm-hmm. She worked very hard to the very last day of her life, and I have a lot of respect for these people. And um, you know, um, there there have been cases, man, where you ever heard of a comedian like uh, George? I worked with George Wallace one time. Yeah. And man, that dude, he was backstage and I guess he had just had surgery or something. So, you know, he was all hobbled and everything. Sure. And that's actually, I was actually working the improv. And so he said, hey, can you come down here and do some time while I get myself together? So, you know, we had worked together before, but I go down there and I see him. He's kind of bent over and he's, you know, he's having a hard time getting up and out of the seat. But when they introduced him, this dude went out there. (coughs) I'm sorry. But when he went out there. It's like nothing, and he did a set just like Willis Reed. That's exactly. Yeah. So it 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 takes you having that energy and that strength to go out there and do it. But we'll continue this in a second. Okay, Go-ahead. we'll come back and talk. Uh, 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 not about stand up anymore, but I want to talk to Ty about his you know background growing up in Chicago, and of course we're gonna talk a little bit of sports and a couple other things. So I'll, I'll be back uh, in a moment or so. All right. All right, we're back. Um, Ty, who, I, I know so little about your background. I know you grew up in Chicago. That's what, all you need to know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? Um, you know, I what? mean, where, where exactly in Chicago, though? Southside. This is a big city. Okay. Southside, 73rd and Racine. What's up? Nah, it's force of habit. Seriously, every time somebody asks me, I say Southside, 73rd and Racine. And that's a White Sox area. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what? And and here's the thing: I don't watch baseball like other people do. Yeah. But that's the only question people ask me. They don't ask me about football. They don't ask me about basketball. Nothing. They always say baseball. And always the answer is I lived closer to the Sox, but I for some reason was a fan of Andre Dawson. So uh-huh. so Jerry Curl maybe maybe it was yeah. Jerry Curl. So. Um, and I'm gonna tell you, I I just had this conversation the other day about how Chicago was versus how it is, and I always feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm the old man when I say something like. But may, oh. may, may, may I add something? Last two to four years, it's been quite bad in Chicago, crime wise. It really depends on where you are. Yes. I, I, and I, I'm gonna tell you something. Here's the thing about Chicago. <clears throat> it, it, it's very segregated. Still, yes. it's still very whites live here, blacks live here, Asians live here. Mm-hmm. Boom. So the pockets of violence that they have there are really just that. They're pockets. These black kids aren't going to white kids and committing these crimes, no. neighborhoods and committing these crimes, and vice versa. These white kids aren't going and committing these crimes. This is all in certain you know, pockets. And Chicago has changed in the sense that uh, this younger generation coming up, 
the value that they have on life is nowhere near where it needs to be. Sure. Like, they will kill each other over some bullshit. We fought. Yeah, we had issues. I mean, it wasn't the easiest growing up. I didn't have it the hardest either. I never was in a gang. Mm -hmm. I never I never even got approached, which part of me a little bit was, I was proud mostly, but a little bit of me was like, why not? <laughs> like I wasn't cool enough. What's hey, going on? Yeah, come on. I could at least I could have been a decent gang member. I yeah. would have been organized at yeah. least. Um, but I never had. That. I never had to deal with that. No one ever came up and did that. My brother, you know, he had a little different. And I know my brother did some stuff that that I don't know about. But again, he's you know, yeah. that I met him a couple times. Nice guy. Yeah, very sweet guy. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. But you know, he his our mentality was always like. We don't want to start no trouble. We yeah. want to just get. We want to. We don't want to be around. And my, our mom actually is super smart. Oh my goodness, we didn't think about it at the time. We never went to school in our neighborhood. We always went to school in another neighborhood. And wait, so you you still went to public school, right? Still went to public school. How was she able to get you in the school in another district? I don't know, but you know, I know what the scheme might be now. Maybe she was using somebody's address uh, in the area. You know what I'm saying? Maybe sure. we had a relative or a friend or a coworker. And you know what I'm saying? Because that's that's how people are doing it now. Like yeah. they have they they get their mail address and they say their kid lives somewhere. Uh, but I think that's how we did because we were always the first on the bus and the last off. You know what I'm saying? So we um, we <sighs> we didn't like it at the time because we always felt like, oh come on, I want to go, I want to hang out with my friends. Yeah. None of the motherfuckers graduated. The the people that we grew up with, they're proud. To not have done some shit, and I'm like, I I have to think. Have you lost any of them? Um, I don't. I still my best my who I consider my best friend when I was a kid, he's still alive. Um, but you know he's still living some of the same life. Yeah, he's still doing some of the same shit, and I'm like, man, I I couldn't, I I can't do. I can't even raise my kids in Chicago, man. I I got girls. I would I would probably have to kill somebody. It, it's not even because you you you. Uh, I, I'm not naive like some of these like uh, middle or uh, middle upper class or upper middle class white folks that not exposed to it. Not, not, they're nice people, but they just didn't grow up. Uh, I, you know, '85, my family moved down to Long Beach and like you know, height of crack epidemic. I mean, I didn't grow up with that wow. sort of environment. You know what I mean? Scared the shit out of me. But always, see, always, it, always chronicle. Uh, Long Beach by Snoop's first album. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I said, that must have been how bad it was. Snoop said it was shitty, so it's got to be shitty. It, it was uh, scary, but my benefit of doubt is like when they see my face, like the people were kind of neutral. They weren't rude to me. You know, like I, I was so naive and clueless. You know, I think right. that saved me. But you said something really, I mean, uh, one of hundreds of other funny things you said, but you told me first time your mother was visiting Seattle or something, Tacoma or something. Oh my God. <laughs> and you said, she was shocked. The white people, white people said hello to her. That's right. And when you told me, like, what? Yeah. How bad is it in Chicago? Well, I told you, it's people. Let me tell you something. My mom lives, my mom lives 10, 15 minutes away from downtown. Yeah. Like if she, it's a, it's a car or even a train ride, thirty minutes tops, maybe. And she doesn't go. She doesn't hang out downtown. I every time I go to Chicago. That's where I stay. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So I go see my family. I visit. But when I'm when it's time for me to chill out, I go back to the north side of Chicago. Yeah. But I took her downtown, and she's looking at these buildings like she had never seen them before. And I'm like, Ma, you live 15 minutes from here. Yeah. But people in Chicago live in their areas. They got everything sure. right there. There's the grocery store. There's the post office. There's the church. Yeah. There's the playground. All that stuff is is, is right there. Um. 
and I don't think I don't think it is I don't think it nurtures that enough for people to go. I used to work at a pancake house yeah. downtown. I used to work at the original pancake house. That was my first job, first W two filling out a form, <laughs> yeah. tax paying job. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember I would have to take the train and you know, with summertime is fine. It, yeah. It's cool. You just had to worry about motherfuckers on the street yeah. trying to get at you. And think about it. I, I'm not going to tell you, well, I weigh, I don't know how much I weigh now, but I weighed 130 pounds at the time. So, holy was, shit. Yeah, I wasn't, I, yeah, I was, yeah, I don't know what fucking. Fucking Mr. Zimbabwe over here. <laughs> no, right? But it's like, I, so in the summer, you had to worry about certain things. Yeah. But then in the winter, you didn't have to, because no one's going to be out to it's rob you. It's fucking cold in Chicago. Too Jesus. fucking cold to be out robbing yeah. somebody at fucking five o'clock in the morning in the fucking snow. So, but you had to walk sometimes because the buses wouldn't be running. So you, he got this 15, 16-year-old kid getting on a bus, going up north, and I would see the difference in the neighborhood. Yeah. I would see how my neighborhood looked and how much nicer it got yeah. when I got to work. So I would be at work, and sometimes I would go up to Lake Lake Michigan I would just because it was right up the street. I'd walk Beautiful there. during the summer. Man, let me tell you. And I would watch the sunrise. I would just sit there. And again, no one told me this. Yeah. Now one person told me to do this. I would just say, man, let me go see you. Because my, my mom has always loved the water. So, you know, the, the lake is right up there. So I would go and I would sit there and just wait. Yeah. And just watch the sun come up. Like, and I would always wonder what else is out there. So everything, so my, I, all, everything that I've been thinking, especially comedy-wise, has come from what else is out there? I've sure. been able to travel the world because of this. And my youngest, my my youngest daughter, I think she kind of has this mentality too, where she wants to go and explore the world. But I think a lot of people in Chicago don't have that now. A lot of kids don't do that. A lot of kids don't go and just watch the sun come up. They don't go to the park and just I, I, you know. I I remember um, I remember going to El Camino Community College in like late eighties after high school. Suge Knight went there too, three or four years before. <laughs> And I met O.J. Simpson there when they were filming some show for HBO. This and is pre or post stab? Uh, pre, <laughs> 88. So, uh, just kidding. That, I mean, that motherfucker had humongous hands. And like, you had no ch- chance with that guy. But anyway, I, I, I was there. Stabbing hands? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would meet these kids that never left their neighborhood. And like, it always shocked me when I met them. Like, they're from like Dominguez Hills or Compton, yeah. places like that. You know, they're trying their best to have a better life for themselves but like i couldn't believe when they tell me like yeah i never been to beach and they were born raised in compton and stuff yeah. it's not that far psychologically it's far yes. right you know i'm sure uh, i'm not saying i'm better than my friends from the hometown in japan but i grew up and believe it or not it is a ghetto you know i came from ghetto in really? japan yeah yeah and um every time there's like a mob or mafia movies, they always use my neighborhood. You know, you see movies and TV show. That's usually a bad sign. You That's know what I mean? Hilarious. It's a bad sign. But those guys could never like. Well, why, man? Why, if I'm gonna tell jokes, why do I need to go to another town? Whatever. It's just like, yeah. I got a job here. They have everything I need here. Like, unless you live in New York City, I don't think you have, you live in no. a perfect town either. You know? No. So there's no place like New York. Um, but like, but but I feel bad sometimes, guilty that I was lucky enough to get out of there and go see the world. You know, thank God for porn and comedy. Right there, you, know? you go. See, making ways, making <laughs> ways. You know, I always tell people, you know what? If you don't, 
If you don't know what else, my grandfather told me, man. My grandfather, when I graduated high school, because yeah. uh, I was actually getting ready. I was going to join. I was joining the military, but I was going to come right back. I joined yeah. the National Guard. And so I was going to go do my training and then come right back to Chicago and yeah. live in Chicago. I didn't want to leave. I love the city. And my grandfather said, as soon as you graduate, get the fuck out of Chicago. That, is that what he told you? The first thing he said, as soon as you graduate, leave. He said, it's nothing for you here. It's yeah. nothing for you here. He said, go see the, the world, world. Yeah. Do, do experience life. And I'm going to tell you, man. He was right. The best, some of the best advice I've ever got in my life. Because I go back, man, and I see people. And you see this in, you see this in Seattle, too, by the way. You go back and you see people that just got comfortable. Yeah. And they didn't want to do anything else. You know, who, you know who else is comfortable? Animals in zoo. Yeah. They get really comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. It, 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 I'm not, I mean, believe me, it, I losing my job three, almost three years ago, it's been rough. But at the same time, I'm willing to take this un- discomfort to have an opportunity or risk to go places and do shows and stuff, you know, and uh, it's it's always not fun, but it's worth it, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's still worth it, you know. Yeah. That story that Jerry Seinfeld talked about, you know, um, in a stand-up comedy documentary, remember he tell you that story to Orny or, or Adams? Or yeah. He said, like, you know, there's a, a group of jazz musicians and they're stuck in middle where and there's snow, their car broke down, they're freezing and they don't know where to go to sleep and they're walking in a house and look, they look through the window and they see a family eating dinner and they, one of the guys is like, who the fuck does that? I mean, who, who want to live life like that? Come on. This is the action. Freezing our ass, car breaking down, we don't know where we're going to sleep and eat. This is the action right here. That's an awesome story. And, um, and, and when the jury said it, like, they're kind of mocking, like, I believe, I believe he reached, the, I mean, I didn't believe it before, but I believe now he reached those places because this is all he ever wanted to do. Right. He didn't care about success. I don't. I mean, he worked really hard. He's very successful. He, every year, he's number one money making stand up comedy world because yeah. the syndication deal. But yeah, he really loves it. Yeah. You know, he's so big. He still does stand up on Letterman show. He doesn't need to because yeah. he, loves he loves it. it. He loves doing stand up. Yeah. And that's and that's why I said there's a difference, and 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 I think part of that kind of comes from what it is you want out of life. Yeah. You know if. I'll be honest with you. I um, I always said I just want to make my own schedule. Yeah, that that's what I, I think. At one point, yeah, everyone wants to be rich. Who doesn't want to be rich? Yeah. Who's never asked to be rich? But I always, I, I remember, I, I used to work at the hospital. I used to work at the at Virginia Mason, and there was this job. There was a a certain job in the pharmacy yeah. that you pretty much had the day to yourself. You still had work to get done, but yeah. you had the day to yourself. They gave you a pager. And if they needed you, they they they'd paid you. But other than that, you had the seven hours to do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. And so I would go downtown. I would finish my job in about an hour and a half. Yeah. I would hide my basket, so no one would think I was st- that I you know they wouldn't know I I was done. I would sneak out of the hospital and I would go downtown. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Oh my god, dude! It was my whenever I had to work that shift. I'm like, cool, I'm in. I was I had a friend stayed up the street. I go hang out at her yeah. place, kick it. We just Yeah. This is all and, and again, I the thing was, I would walk downtown and just be looking. I'm like, and there'd be people there like eleven o'clock in the morning, just hanging out. Yeah. Eating. And I'm like, 
Yeah, yeah. We, we call that homeless. No, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, he was asking so for change see, at the yeah, time, too. Yeah. But, no, but I would see these people hanging out in the middle of the day, and I'd be like, man, that's got to be awesome, dude. Yeah. To have your own fucking schedule. You do what you want to do when you want to do it. And I know when I started in comedy, my idea was I want to I want to tell jokes. And then when I got to a point to where I could make my schedule, sure. I didn't even realize that it happened. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, which is wh- another reason why I love this, because I'm like, I set out to do this. And not Can to I tell you something on this planet. You know, I think the first time I saw you when you told me you quit your job, I thought you were going to cry because... It was like one of the half, one of the half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What black man quitting a job? You know, oh, what I mean? like, man. yeah, you you were so like. I hated that job, dude. I, you know, and his thing. You funny, you try, you, you and you were trying to get me a job there too. That's right. Oh, that's right. I went to a, a, a interview, and that person, I could tell, like, oh my god, what is this? <laughs> See, because you feel it when you walk in, like yeah. this is probably not. And and it's no disrespect to the the field. It's no, there's some people great just field, cut out to do it, and they're 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 nice people, and they're doing important work. But like, I already know, like. I can't joke around with them. Yeah, you know? no, no. And I was like, you knew, this is how I knew, and this is how you can tell when you're at a shitty job, when you're angry on payday. <laughs> when you're angry yeah. on payday, when you know they're going to hand you some money and you're still like, these motherfuckers, fuck these guys. Yeah. Man. And I would be like that. I would be driving from Tacoma up to, to Seattle, Seattle, which is like a half hour commute mile wise, but you know, traffic, that's about an hour. An hour. So... I, and I, and man, and here's how I knew, dude. And sometimes I go back to these moments when when I'm feeling shitty about how sh- shit is. Sometimes how shit is, gets sometimes in this business. I remember one time I had to pull over to the side of the road on my drive to Seattle, and I had to cry. Yeah, like I had to cry because I was just to get through the fucking day. Yeah, I said because something was telling me. I said I, this don't feel right. This don't feel like where I'm supposed to be. And I remember when I quit. I told my mom, I called my mom and said, hey, mom, quit. Uh, What'd she say? Man, my mom was like, uh, okay. Uh, uh, um, Oh, oh, okay. So what are you going to do for money? Yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to tell jokes. And she said, they pay you to tell jokes? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're going to pay me. She's like, well, can you at least keep your license? This is my mom. And then again, she's not saying like she didn't believe in me. She's saying it like she's thinking practically, which makes sense. She says, "Keep your pharmacy license." Oh, believe me, whatever the racism you might have faced, it's nothing compared to what she had to face, right? No, not at all. And, and how hard it not was, and, and scary. It's it was. a big deal yeah, to her. Yeah. I'm telling you, for me to have yeah. that license is a big deal to her. She's like, she, she's looking at it from a foundation standpoint of you got this fallback, and so for a year after I quit, I did keep my license. Yeah. I renewed it. And I was going to renew it the second year, and then I didn't. And and I remember calling my mom. No, I was talking to my mom. She's like, you still doing comedy? I was like, yeah. She said, uh, you got your license? I was like, no, I, I, I didn't renew it. And she said, why not? And I said, if I would have renewed this license. It hold you back. It, it would. And Because yeah. and I, I would have kept thinking, 
this is my fallback on. I said, yeah. man, I got to go at this like this is it. Yeah. This is what it is. This is what it's going to be. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. Just, that's just like Kamikaze Pilot when you have few because <laughs> you, you, this is it. You're not coming back. Except no death. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> same principle. Same. Just no yeah. death. A little less messy. And less laughter. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kamikaze, <laughs> comedy. Yes. Uh, but that was one of the moments where I knew that I wanted to do this. Yeah. But yeah. now, now your mom must be thrilled. I mean, it's got to you know be. What's crazy is now my mom. When the first time she saw me on TV, now every time she asks me again, "When are you gonna be a TV again?" So I can tell my friends. Yeah. So it's crazy. It, it's it's a weird thing that, and I get it. I know where she was coming from. But another part of me feels like, yeah, I got this. I got it. Yeah. I, I got it. Let me let me let me figure this out. Because again, I'm I, as a father. I also couldn't be willy nilly. I couldn't be sure. like. I, so I saved some money. I put some money in the bank before I fucking took this trip down here sure. and to do this, and I slept on some couches and fucking had nights where I was like, man, I don't know what the fuck, though. This, I'm, you know, sitting at the comedy store till fucking two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning to perform in front of four people. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And so that's why I say I cherish every moment that I get. Sure, especially knowing this the stuff that i came from going back to sports anal uh analogy like don't think every year you're going to fucking playoffs man no don't, don't no. think you're going to super bowl every year or nba championship or world series you just got to be in the game yeah you just got to be in the game as long as you're in the game in some way shape or form but now i will tell you this that's one of the cool things about comedy is that there's so many different levels of this business that you can make a living at sure everyone's not going to be kevin hart let's just be honest about that yeah Everyone's not four foot be, two. Yeah, like exactly. You hope they're taller, but um, funny, funny dude. Yeah. And but see, think about it. Even his road, man. Even his road is not overnight. People think this dude just came out of nowhere. No, he worked really hard, yeah. man. Yeah, he's been he's been at this shit for a he, long. He's from Philly, time. right? And now he's got a lot. Uh, it might be Philly. I thought, man. All I heard is like he has a reputation, like taking care of so many people. I mean, he's you know. He's taking care of family members. Like, yeah. yeah, he's one of those kind of guys. And that's the thing, man, is that you got you to understand something. Now, we also know corporate comedians that no one's ever heard of, but these guys make a shit ton of money. It works really hard. Yeah. That's it. You've never heard of them. Yeah. You got people that do it at a college level. You got people that do cruise ships. The, the, the gift of this is, is, is such a special thing that I feel like more people need to understand that it's a lot of ways you can do this and bring this to people Sure, that doesn't have to be the tippy top. Sometimes it's going to be this person right in front of you. It's going to be a bar right up the street. It's going to be that. Yeah. It's going to be some people remember, uh, what is that room in Eastern Washington? It was a fucking bowling alley. I forgot where it was either East, like Idaho somewhere in, in was that it area. Pasco or something or uh, it was or, yeah it was somewhere near yeah, there but like you would you would be doing your jokes and you <laughs> hear yeah. the fucking strikes like right next to it and the thing about it if 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 we're doing it for the glamour hey man you would have quit then yeah no one's fucking there's nothing glamour I got I got to tell you two things about that um I did a show one time in Nudist Colony. And everyone who shouldn't be naked, they were naked. Everyone who should be naked were not. But I had to do show with like three fourths of people naked. That's yeah, hilarious. I, I've done that. And there's one episode of Louis where Louis C.K.'s character was upset because he's doing some really shitty room in a casino. And Joan River was doing a show at the same casino, except it was a humongous room. But she was saying like, 
you just have to keep working. I'm just summarizing the basic thing mm -hmm. she was saying because because tomorrow who who do they say that you're not doing the big room, I'm doing this shitty room. But this once you become a comic, you just do your time. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. And that's but see, that's that old school shit. Yeah, that's the old school shit where you just like, yeah, you came here to make people laugh. Do your job. Go. Let the rest of the shit handle itself. And I would come, I remember, we, actually, I was talking about this earlier today. I said, like, I remember coming to Los Angeles and feeling like, okay, you're going to do this set, and this set's going to be the thing. Oh, wait, you're going to do this set, and then this set's going to be the thing. Yeah. This person's an audience, and then it's going to lead to this. And then you're going to do this. And you can't live your life like that because there's no guarantee of when it's going to happen. All I can do is control what I do while I'm up there. And if I'm funny, you can't take that. Yeah. You can't deny that, man. I, I did my job. I made these motherfuckers laugh. So if I'm doing that and I'm sticking to that, I, I can't have no choice but to believe that it's going to happen the way it's supposed to happen. That prior poster is up there for a reason. And then, you know, it's crazy. When I found that, that, that poster, I remember thinking, if this guy, think, let me ask you this. Do you think in today's society with Twitter and Instagram yeah. and Vine and all that, do you think if Richard Pryor started comedy today, do you think he would still get the same shots and have the chance to be Richard Pryor? He has a talent, but I don't know if they will let him. Exactly. Exactly. You know. That's that's and that's the thing that's scary. Can I ask me. you something? If if Abraham Lincoln was running for political office president, you think he will have a chance to be a president? Being that six foot whatever tall and gawky looking guy with a goofy hair and you know he just don't like look presidential according to our standard. He what looks the, like a really bad smoker. Yeah. <laughs> like, this dude ain't going to be an He look like an Amish or some shit like that. Yeah. You know, so, so people look at the, they look for wrong thing, you know. Um, they don't, um, and, and that's, that's what's the reason why I ask is that I think th there are certain generations and certain mentalities that come with that generation. Sure. You know, we, we we were talking about with our ancestors and the marches that they did and yeah. and, 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 and the, the bus boycotts and all that. They had a different strength than we do. We ain't boycotting now. We, we don't do shit. It's like, oh, we want to save the whales? Let me hashtag it. Boom. There you go. <laughs> Boom. Hashtag save whales. Yeah. We'll get these puppy coats. You know what I'm saying? So to me, we don't have that same kind of uh, commitment, uh, to, commitment yeah. to shit. So when you see comedians now and the idea of comedy and putting the effort yeah. in and the work in, it's it's a different vibe for these sure. guys now. So you everything everything's like, can you monetize that? Yeah, yeah. and 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 I think honestly, it, it, that's gonna bite these people in the, in, in the foot eventually. Because if if I got two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand Twitter followers, and all I got to do is tweet that I'm gonna be performing here, I don't need you, agent. Yeah, I don't need you, manager. I don't need you, comedy booker. I, I got it. I, I'm, I'm going to tweet these people. Why do I need to give you 10%? So instead of making these people do this, these guys need to nurture this talent that's really here. This is real. Like you, you're not, you, you don't make this up. I think, I think you're right because if you don't do that, they might come to see your first time, but they're not going to come back the second or third time. No, you know, not at all. And that's what I'm saying. You have to, there has to be something that you do that that people look at and say no one else can do that that's right there boom let's bottle that let's channel that because everybody can't be the same level of funny you're just not so why not reward the people who put the work in 
and they do bring it. That's yeah. it. They bring it so much, they don't know how not to bring it. Sure. That's it. They, that's what they do. It's like you, like I said, and, and I'm, I'm gonna use Kobe as an example. I'm not a Laker fan, but I'm a Kobe fan in the sense of how could you not if you like basketball? Yeah, he's his. This dude is like, as soon as he got hurt, not only did he fucking tear his ACL, motherfucker got up there and shot two free throws <laughs> after tearing his ACL. So, to me, and he he was one of those people that's like. I, I, if I can be back on the court tomorrow, I'd be on the court. And I oh, believe yeah. it. I don't think he's bullshitting with that. And then you see other athletes, they get out there and they they twist the ankle. And they're like, oh, I'm out for the fucking season. Yeah. But then you see him at the club dancing. Like, come on, man. You can't, how are you going to be the best? You can't be the best if you're not willing to put, do that. I don't that think they're interested in being best, you know. That's the thing. Hey, a uh, couple more things. Um, going back. So you were going, your grandfather gave you wonderful advice. Why did you choose military as an option? Did, did, do you come from a family that... Uh, no. no. So you, you, were you the first one in the family? As far as I know, I'm pretty... No, no, I'm sorry. My grandfather was in uh, the Navy. My grandfather was in the Navy. Okay. And um, I actually thought about going to the Navy. I remember the recruiter came to my house and uh, I was close to signing because they gave me this whole big spiel and yeah. sales pitch and you get to travel the world yeah. and you're going to see all these exotic places and... I asked them one question. I said, how many females on the boat? And they said, we got a few. I said, what's a few? He said, you got nurses? I'm like, uh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I, I couldn't do it. And I knew that at 17. So um, I, I think when I joined, I didn't join thinking that it was going to be anything. I joined it just because I wanted to get out of Chicago. Okay. That was it. I just and again, get out of Chicago to come back. I, I was just gonna. I joined the National Guard. I didn't join the regular army until I came back to Chicago. So I did two months of basic training, two months of AIT training. Came back. What's, to what's AIT? Your job training, like whatever okay. your job is gonna be. So yeah. my my job at the when I was in the National Guard was uh, thirty one Lima, wire systems installer. So like putting up the telephone poles and shit. So oh shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, I yeah. had to actually climb. I fell off a pole. Oh. Yeah, I had I had they 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 you do put these spikes on your legs, and they you got in the training camp like you you got to you know climb up the pole, and man I remember falling off the pole, and I remember being terrified because they said because you would always see splinters in these poles, and they said if you feel like you're falling, don't hug the pole because the fucking splinter will oh. go right through your face. So <laughs> I remember oh, falling. Come on, wait, do you ever talk about that on stage? No, man. It's uh, it's I don't know why I don't. It's probably because it's too traumatizing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I remember falling off this pole. But, but how many feet were we talking here? Uh, it was at least fifteen, twenty. Oh my something god! Like that. It was something, something like that. But you, you know, it's not. You're not. You're not hitting concrete. It was sand. So I think they prepared for people to fall. But I remember when I hit the when I hit the ground. Yeah. I was like, and I just fell backwards, and yeah. I was like, oh shit! And I, I wasn't majorly injured. I actually had back issue before that. Yeah. And for some reason, it felt better. Yeah. <laughs> that was some cartoon shit right there. Yeah. So. Um, and I remember, though, when I went back to Chicago, uh, I thought about, okay, I'm going to go to school. I was, actually, I was actually supposed to go to University of Illinois. And somehow my family didn't get the paperwork to me at a certain time, so I couldn't go at that time. Sure. Uh, and so I said, I'll maybe go next semester. And fucking around, met this girl, and I decided to join the regular army. So I joined the regular army, 
And for that, how many years? Five years. Five, five and a half years. Fuck. That's how I ended up in Seattle. I ended up in Seattle because... Uh, Fort Lewis. Fort Lewis. I yeah. got stationed at Fort Lewis. The original one, not the, the one level one, not the... We yeah. actually helped build the 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 Madigan the the, the Madigan Hospital, and uh, so when you joined for five years, but you wanted you want to become pharmacist tech, is that how the yeah uh, I didn't I will how did that how did why did you pick that one out of all the other because things because you know what the other option was at the time cook oh forget <laughs> it forget <laughs> it <laughs> done deal right yeah done deal and the guy said it the recruiter said hey look. Um, you tested pretty well, so you got a couple options. You can either be a cook, and, and so I already know how to cook, and I'm pretty sure even if I knew how to cook the best, yeah, I still would have to probably be on my feet and cook yeah. all day. So I was in a, so I picked that, and um, I said, and he sold me on saying you get to dress nice, you get to wear hospital scrubs or something, and you get to work in air-conditioned places. Oh, yeah. That's always the best. So I was like, all right, I'm good. Done. So, so, so um, you obviously had an aptitude. Um, the training that was pretty easy for you when they were teaching me as a pharmacist? Uh, you know what? It's, it was a lot to learn. But And here's, here's another way that I knew that that's not the life that I was supposed to be doing. Right. The second... This is not the kind of pharmacist where the room full of people, they're all naked because they're worried they might be stealing something no. from them. No, this, this ain't New Jack City <laughs> you know, you bag, bagging up crack uh, pharmacy. This ain't, this ain't that. This, ain't, this is a real deal. I'm glad you got the reference. As a, as a IV. Oh, yeah, of course. I just saw it the other day, as a matter of fact. I just oh, that's right. What am I talking about? We were sitting. Oh, that's how high I am. If I, yeah, we were sitting next to each other. That's right. That's right. That's right. New Jack City. Pookie. <laughs> um, no, it was a real, real deal pharmacy. And but this is how I knew that it wasn't gonna be the thing for me, is that the second that I quit, I deleted all that information. Yeah. I deleted I mean, I still know some things about sure. pharmacy. I still can look at certain prescriptions and know what they are. Yeah. But the majority of that shit, I click done. I and I I because I knew I didn't want to do it. I just knew it wasn't for me. But your job is it is it for your job to actually make the medication or or uh, we would uh, no we would well no 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 I did a few things one uh, we would hand the medication out we uh, we uh, we uh, if you worked inpatient yeah you would have to look at the orders the doctors would send down the orders and there was like an assembly line of us yeah and we would they, the 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 drugs were labeled certain sections A through whatever boom 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 and yeah. so you look at the order it's a tray they'd give you these trays this is crazy i actually see these trays in my hair right yeah. now and and you'd fill the order man let me tell you something it's one of the most mundane monotonous fucking i i, I hated it i fucking hate it because it took hours to do and you had to be on your feet the whole time and you're working in this wait, wait, wait. space Oh, you have to standing the whole time. You got to stand and fill these orders because it, it was set up like a little open cubicle. Yeah, and so each person was at a station. So one person had to fill this section, another person had to fill this section, another had a person fill yeah. this section, and so we would bag that. And then those are the inpatient orders. If you worked outpatient, then you were there and you had to give the orders to the patients that would come. Uh, you had to make uh, in in both areas. You had we I made creams and paste and ointments and so the the iv room i made iv uh bags wow. and stuff and sent up to them uh work with control substances all of this stuff dude and i mean I was, I was good at my job i mean it was cool and it actually paid pretty well i mean it was, yeah. it was okay but it's it's still one of those things that i knew i wasn't supposed to be there i didn't know and to be honest with you 
I always tell people I don't make decisions off of the stuff that I I, I didn't make decisions off of the stuff that I want to do. Right. I made decisions off the stuff that I didn't want to do anymore. Yeah. Like, I left the military because I didn't want to be there. I didn't know what the fuck was going to happen after that. I left pharmacy not because I knew something was going to happen. I left it because I knew I didn't want to do that. And I knew I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to try something other than that. Sure. Comedy came in, um, comedy came in around that time to where I knew certain things about comedy. I didn't know this though. Yeah. I didn't know what I'm doing right now. I just knew I can't do that shit anymore. I got to try something else. And then comedy kind of came into play. And was there? I know you would you would never do this, but has there been a case where one of your coworker or other pharmaceutical uh, 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 places where they actually give a wrong medication to someone? Has it? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's happened before. I I, I can't say that I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't telling you that shit. No, yeah. no, no. But yeah, I'm sure it's happened before, and um, and that's the thing. Like the, uh, you know, what's crazy is that I, because I know people who would show up to the job and they, you know, they do drug testing. They would do random drug testing, and I never understood it because I didn't fuck with drugs yeah. or anything like that. Oh my god, Vicodins. No, hey man, the fucked up thing about Vicodin is it constipates you. So you can't really enjoy your high because then you can't take a shit yeah. for a little bit. But um, I'm going to tell you, man, I honestly, I couldn't imagine, uh, I couldn't imagine, oh no. What happened? That's a spider. <laughs> Let me, you want me to pause it for a second? No, no, you keep going. Uh, it's fine. I'm not gonna fuck with it. It it, it just like, I, I I I'm almost amazed how organized everything is, and you guys are able to make stuff really fast. But like, fuck, they got like, opium and shit too, right? I mean, yeah, but you know, you not every. And we actually had some people get in trouble for stealing in the military. Somebody st stole some schedules, two drugs. Fucking people came in, locked the pharmacy down. Yeah, they asked questions. They stole. It was Dilaudid. That was called Dilaudid. What is that? It's a schedule two. It's like it's on the same level as uh, morphine or oh. oxy, uh, oxycodone. It's in there. It's super strong, like small pill. Here's what you tell. The smaller the pill, the stronger that shit, that shit is. That right? is. Yeah, that's because you got. Um, I, it's like spiders, you know. It's like the bigger the spider, they don't. They're not. Yeah, poisonous. I probably should have killed that fucking spider then. It's <laughs> <laughs> it small. Um, but no, man, I'm telling you, dude, it, it's it's one of those things that um, it's nerve wracking because yeah. you are in control of these drugs. So we'd be there and you have to account for every everything. fucking pill, every vial, everything. If your count was off, hey, you ain't going nowhere until we figure out where this shit is. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I fucking hated working in the, in the control vault. Because then you can't, you know what? When I worked in the control vault, that was one of the places where I was like, then if I'm going to work here, I, it's just me. I don't want to work with anybody else in here. I want to be in control of all of this shit because I want to be the person that says this, 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 and this. If I got to work with somebody else, then I got to be thinking about their math and their habits. I don't know what the fuck they're doing at the crib. So, well, what was the longest you had to stay because there was a fuck up? Uh, about an hour and a half, two hours. And what was the problem? Was somebody stole it or misplaced it? Somebody misplaced it. Oh, okay. Somebody misplaced it, and then they put an extra thing in a in a bin mm -hmm. and and a um on one of the the units. 
And uh, it's so crazy. I remember this. It's weird. Um, but yeah, and they found it. And it's like okay, cool. But it was it was shit like that that made me feel like fuck. Which what's the strongest painkiller? Like is it oxycontin? Oxycontin. Or, or, no, they got they got something that's stronger than it. Morphine. Now. Morphine is up there too, but it's something else, and I don't know because it wasn't out when I was working wow. it. Wow. But it, there's something that's a little bit stronger than that. I remember when I got my appendix taken out. Ouch. Uh, I got a. Uh, what did they give me? Why are you smiling? <laughs> I know that's how strong it was. Uh, I what did they give me? Um, Medazolam. So it was what, what is the it? fuck? Medazolam. Yeah. What was the name of Ventolin? That's what it's called. Ventolin. Something like that. Oh my goodness. Okay. I still got a little bit of this knowledge in there. But um, I remember they they gave me Valium first to kind of <laughs> yeah calm me down. So I remember being on the the bed. It's, it's like an appetizer. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I had never had it. So I was like, oh okay, sure. I'll take it. Like, yeah. It's fine. And I remember the doctor being there, and they're getting ready to inject me. Yeah, and you know, put me put me to sleep so I can do the surgery. And so they were like, uh, "Okay, so we're gonna inject you with this." And it's a small vial. Yeah, it's a small vial. I'm like, "What the fuck is this gonna die?" Hey, man, I bet not feel none of this shit. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you know, and he so he injects it, and dude, it well, had, it, it had, it's not a pill that you swallow. You they inject you with it? No, I took a, a Valium. No, wait, no, both of them were injections. So they gave me the injection of Valium, which, again, you don't feel that right away. Wait, wait, but you, you can't just take yeah, you a... You can take a pill, but I was about to have surgery. Ah, yeah, I was so they, they need something quick in your bloodstream. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah, I, was I, got you, got you. I was about to have surgery. I was about to have surgery. And so they injected the, 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 the midazolam, mm. and I remember the dude saying, uh, this is going to put you to sleep for a little while. So, uh, and I was like, okay, all right. So you were Codspeed. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> My clothes were kind of disheveled when yeah. I woke up. <laughs> no, but the dude said, okay, I'm going to inject this, and then uh, I want you to count backwards from five. Yeah. And I kid you not, from the second he injected it yeah. to the, it was like injection. It was like, all right, five. Four. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get to three. I didn't even get to three, yeah. dude. So... Uh, it, it man, that sh- it was scary how quickly that shit knocked me out. It, but uh, I will say I didn't feel shit yeah. in the surgery. I was I was out. Uh, but that's those are the those are the strong ones. Anything that's in a vault. I mean, no, I shouldn't say anything. Vicodins are you know it's it's okay. That but that's I got rear-ended four or five years ago. Um, twice in span on like ten days. It's just bad luck. I got rear-ended twice and I was in constant pain and like I never understood like why are these fucking scumbags addicted to painkiller but i understand after the accident like fuck it's not even it's pleasurable just the pain just disappear no, i would say uh vicodin vicodin doesn't take the pain away it just makes you feel like it's not that big of a deal that's <laughs> 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 ah, cool just a little back pain is fine and you knew kelly moran right yeah, 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 yeah. He died because of it. He That's he right. he took painkiller and alcohol or something. I don't know. He never woke up. That's it, it, right. And um, and you know, I was mad at him and Tana, but they were so high. They said, "Hey, take a bike." And, and like I tried it the first time, 13, 14 years ago. And so, oh, have a, they give me beer to drink with that? You're not supposed to take that. No. You know. So I was. I'm yeah, some things with some things I've seen people do both on. Hey, man, I, I, your I, your heart stops. It's, it's, it's not a wise thing. Yeah. It's not a wise thing at all, man. And the thing is, they specifically say no alcohol, alcohol. no nothing. And and sometimes it can even be like that with uh, regular muscle relaxers. Flexoril, 
Cyclobenzaprine. Oh my goodness, man. I took one of those. I didn't know what day it was. Fuck. And that shit was super small. I, I really want you to have uh, every once in a while this big money-making corporate thing because I think you could do a pharmaceutical company. And like, man, that's some impressive shit. I don't even know what you, you just man. said. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. But, but I, I honestly, I think when I did it, I, I was a different person than I am now. Yeah. I'm a, my mind isn't even geared and do, did you know that voice. pharmacists and anybody who work in the business always have one of the highest trustworthy opinion from public? Not lawyers, not cops, no. but something about pharmacists, they always rank very, very high because, you know, it's like they're like somebody that people see in community. They right. give me medication. People are sick. People trust them. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I thought it was kind of funny even back then. Like, wow, you have such a respectable job and people you know you you, you helping people's lives people and, would actually look at me when i would tell them but that. The, but but then again a laughter is the best medicine so there you go i'm, both, I'm still giving you, out medication <laughs> still it's just costing you 20 dollars yeah. 20 25 dollars uh please come on out to the show <laughs> no man uh i honestly um i thought because like, every once in a while i would go back and visit the hospital and just oh you do yeah yeah I go so, back there so you still have so. friends that work there yeah 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 they come to the show sometimes when I'm in the area they yeah. come out uh, but every time I walk in and hey, I'm giving this spider every chance that I can but I don't want to kill it ah oh, fuck it you gotta go sorry I didn't want to do that but um is it is it kind of like former inmate is going back to prison I'm not even joking does it feel <laughs> like that ah. Uh, it feels weird, right? You know what? And I, how do they feel about you? Because they're they're like, maybe they like it, but I think most regular people with John like they hate it, and they see this guy that they used to work with, and this motherfucker is traveling the world. Oh. You know. <laughs> no, you know what? If they don't like it, then they're really good at hiding it because people have been really, they've been always been cool. They're like, hey, yeah. remember I used to do this? Yeah. And because I wasn't an asshole, it was only. It was, if they were if we didn't like each other at work, I probably didn't go see them yeah. when I went back there. So believe me, I, I don't I stay away from those people. But the people that I'm cool with, yeah, they're like, hey, what's going on? We saw you on this, yeah, and, yeah. And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, oh man, I appreciate it. It's cool. I'm doing a show. Come on out to the show. Sure. So for the most part, they they've all been um, they've all been cool. The feeling I get though when I walk in <laughs> is uh, is is this feeling of I made the right decision. Yeah. I made the right decision. I, I, because you know, how sometimes you go and you see something or an old neighborhood and you miss it, and you're like, man, I miss this. I don't feel like that when I walk there. I walk in and I'm like, all right, all right. I came to see you guys. I got to get the fuck out, out of here. here. I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. I don't even. I can't do it. Um, now let me tell you this, which is in now. Again, here's another way that I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I can't even be in a city that has a comedy club and not try to go up. Sure. I, I can't even do it. I, I don't even walk in the comedy club unless I can go up. I, I can't be around it. I want part of that audience. I want some of that. I want, I want to get a piece of this. So, and I've been doing this 17 years. And I've had experiences in this business that were shitty. And I've had some that were great. But I still have that energy, man. So... Um, I remember I, I, I got fired. I was in New York. I was walking down, and somebody fucking grabs me in the middle of the street in Chinatown. It was you. Mm -hmm. I, 
I was shocked that you could uh-huh. recognize me from all the people that look like me. But well, you were the a, tallest one. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you were the six foot one uh, Asian guy. But no, no. yeah, and, uh, they thought you were Yao Ming. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, you took me uh, to your college gig, and it was really fun to see you because you still have it, man. You were still happy going to those places, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was some kind of, I don't know what college it was, but it was fun just kind of talking. That's why we had to go over the bridge a couple of times. That's right. I remember that. And, and um, you know, every field have a specialized language that people don't know, but, you know, probably for somebody who doesn't do comedy, listening to us talk sounds strange, but they're shorthand, right? And like, man, I love that tag that you did, this and that. It's fun. It's fun to do that conversation. It's, it's, um, and that's the thing, but you know, New York is one of my favorite cities. So I, it's good to see people there that I know and that I actually like to hang out with. I couldn't even believe it was you. I was like, Yoshi? Yeah, I, like, I know. In Chinatown, of all places, you know? Mm, we all <laughs> must be Yoshi. <laughs> yes. No, I'm sorry. You just look like him. Um, and that's the thing, man. Whenever I've been places, in my dream situation, in my ideal situation, I would like to get an RV that would fit enough people, like my friends. You, yeah. Uh, Tanner, like maybe, like, maybe, maybe in like a tour bus. Yeah, yeah. Like, like a tour, and let's just go on the road yeah. and do this shit. Because these are the, this that's what I dig. That's to me. That's I'm like yo. Now I'm gonna be having some fun. And I think honestly, whenever I go to places and I see people that I know, I'm like, man, you know, you want to come hang out? Let's just yeah. go hang out and do this. That's what I feel about comedy. Yeah. I feel like uh, it's such a fun thing to me that I want to share with people that I know enjoy it. You know, you, you know, you see this shit all the time, TV, movie, where somebody's having a heart attack and somebody goes, "Is there a doctor in the house?" Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, there should we should be more respected because, like fucking company or group of people they're not having fun they need somebody to just live in life shit up yeah. you know and that's that's what we do and um um man you uh, I, I i i'm so happy that i'm uh, knowing you for this many years and you you're doing it and uh so you have so much respect from your colleague and uh you know i appreciate yeah. it yeah and i want to uh, finish this show now by talking oh, oh, oh before i ask this last question um where's some of the favorite places you perform comedy i'm kind of curious New York City is at the top. I, every time I go there, I feel like I still I still feel like a kid. Yeah. Because there's so I, many fucking clubs. Yeah. So many clubs, and people bring it. They don't give a fuck. They yeah. bring it. They 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 don't care what show you've been on. You better be funny right now. That I love that dude. When I whenever I see the New York skyline, I'm yeah. always like, okay, all right, let's 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 put the big boy pants yeah. on. Let's do it. Um, television wise. Uh, what stands out to me, um, there are some moments from last comic that still stand out to me that were really good. Uh, my first Tonight Show. Uh, Jay, I, I love Leno, man. Uh, Jay, I would say something. Underrated. It's one of those things to where when you're, when you're doing it, when you're actually walking out on this stage and you're saying, okay, I'm actually here at the Tonight Show. Like This, yeah. this show has been around for decades and it's only a few people that have done this show sure so i remember doing it for the first time and i'm like and i remember them saying okay well the audience is going to be right here but don't really i mean don't address the audience address the camera you gotta look at the camera yeah and i'm trying to do that but i'm like i'm on the fucking tonight show yo i gotta talk to these people and so you would see it you see it in the set where i'm like i'm trying to look at the camera but i'm still talking to these people because part of me is like 
so excited. Can right? you believe? Yeah. I'm, I'm, this is it's crazy. So, um, I, so I've had different pockets of moments that that were that stand that stood out to me. I remember doing the Gibson Amphitheater uh, by Universal Studios. That's a big ass place, yeah. it, man, and it's so big to where it took me a few minutes to realize that I was on the jumbotron that was right behind me. (laughs) So I'm not sure these people can, can you guys see me back there? And it's like this huge fucking thing. Um, So yeah, I would say, yeah, I've had a few different moments uh, that stood out to me. And, but you know what's crazy? Out of all of this, I, I still love the idea of what the comedy underground was. Oh yeah. I still love that idea. I'm telling you, man, you're not. I don't like the new facility, but old place, I I fucking miss that place. It's the best. Yeah, it was one of the best. I still, I still tell people whenever I drive downtown. Yeah. And I'm going to the new place. I kind of still look over around the corner yeah. at the old place, man. Like it was, you go downstairs. It was that you felt like you were in a fucking comedy yeah. club, yo. The stage is right there, and I'll give I give the new place credit. They are trying to create that energy, sure. But it's it was something about that place that you're not gonna. It's it's hard gonna it's be. It's really able to, really hard, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So those are a few places I would say. Um, yeah, the the Gibson the live performance because I had never performed in front of an audience that big. Yeah. At the time, um, and then my first Tonight Show, uh, really was uh was crazy. And then you know I took I taped some for Nickelodeon, uh, Nick Mom Night Out. I taped that in New York, and that was, I think, man, I remember doing the show, and this audience is there, and I could see, the you could see out the window, yeah. you could see Times Square, sure. and like, I'm on stage, and I see Times Square right here, and I got an audience right here, I'm like, that's the fucking perfect <laughs> trifecta of yeah. shit. I'm performing in New York, I see Times Square, I see these people right here, this is on television. So, you know, it was a few things like that. My, my last question is... Um uh, basketball and how did you become Miami Heat fan you you're never a Chicago Bulls fan no or? no I was started uh, I actually started as a Bears fan didn't really watch that much basketball then I got into basketball well you definitely have no reason to watch Bears right now no man that's shit. It's, they, it's a they proud moments, though they, yeah they had moments where they kind of got close to the Super Bowl sure. glory of 85 but not all the way over the hump um, but then I got into basketball and so it was Bulls. I was always a Bulls fan. And my second team was Miami Heat. Now, this is Miami Heat before LeBron. This yeah. is before uh, Dwayne Wade. Before yeah. Wade. This is, we talking about Ronnie Cycli, Tim Hardaway, Alonzo Mourning. Oh, first the way Alonzo back. Mourning. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? These, um, Alonzo Mourning, Georgetown. The, the, the killer crossover, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So whenever the Bulls would get knocked out the playoffs, I would always watch the Miami Heat. And, and back and, in those days? When they're fighting Knicks, man, it was exciting. right. Uh, it, it wasn't even basketball. It was battles, like a fucking, fucking, fucking boxing and wrestling battles, yeah. yo. Remember, I don't know if you remember what, what was the one where uh, Jeff Van Gundy is holding grabbing a lot of the morning's leg, leg or something. Yeah, he's just trying to shake him off like yeah. a little flea. Um, but no, man. So so it was always Bulls, and even still to this day, a little bit. You know, because my daughter, my oldest, is actually a, a Bulls fan. She loves everything about the Bulls. So yeah. um, when the playoffs are going on, we kind of have our little little battle. But I always tell her, I said, even if even if Miami loses to Chicago, I can only be so mad sure. because part of me is like, okay, cool. Chicago is in there. I can't be mad at that. But I'm going to tell you where it totally switched more to Miami. 
when Jordan, the last championship year for the Bulls then. 97 or something like 97, that. 97, yeah. when after they won six. Yeah. What other fucking professional fucking dismantles a team after winning six championships? Three, two time, three time back to back. Who the fuck else does that? It's the fucking ownership. That's crazy. Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf, those motherfuckers, man. Let me tell you something. They took, because a lot of people don't know the story. They, they think that the Bulls, they, they, they think Jordan and them just decided to leave. No, what they wanted to do after winning the championship, they wanted to ship Pippen out. They wanted to get rid of Grant. So And so Jordan's like, we just won fucking six championships. And they didn't want to re-sign uh, Phil Jackson either. Exactly. And, you know, a whole, a whole fame speech, Jordan say, uh, um, uh, who's the GM? Uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf or yeah, Jerry Krause? Uh, the GM. Oh, for John Chica Paxson. No, no, no. Uh, uh, GM for Chicago Bulls at the time. Uh, oh, no, it was Jerry Krause. Then. Jerry Krause. Yeah. Uh, Jordan said, like, why are you here? I didn't ask you to come here. Who, yeah, he said that. He said that like well, nobody asked you to come here. He, he what? Was, yeah, I gotta he, watch that. He, he said like uh, because Jerry said something like you know it's the management who built this team. Like no, no, it's the players to win the championship. That's right. You know I don't see you suit up, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, um, what I hate about fucking this journalist when they make piss me off. They say like, well, Jordan's not being real. He doesn't tell us how exactly he feels. And Jordan gave exactly what he thought about everything, about everyone. And to me, I didn't find this rude at all. When I heard that speech, I just realized this is what makes a guy a winner. You know, that this, you know, to maybe somebody who are sensitive, maybe they take it wrong. But to me, what a re revelation. You know, mm -hmm. this, this is the greatest Hall of Fame speech. Because, you know, they had a bunch of other guys spoke and they were funny. Like John Stockton, I never knew that guy was a funny guy. Mm -hmm. Very touching, talk about his wife and five or six kids or whatever. And there's a bunch of other guys who are on the, on, on the Hall of Fame. But Jordan... The greatest whole thing <laughs> speech, and he, he, I don't, I don't think he's being. I just realized this is a. I mean, it's, it's the, it's, it's incredible. He, he always talk about with people who are burning, burn him up, and give him this competitive fire yeah. that drove him to madness to beat these guys. And uh, he, some of the people, he said nice things to Pat Riley. You know, he said like, "You're you and I. We're the same. We understand. I, I love going against you." And you know, it's, mm -hmm. I highly, highly recommend okay. if you're remotely fan of sports. That to me, like, wow, man! I, it, it, I, I saw parts. I got more. I'm gonna go back and watch. Yeah, the it, it's great. And like, you see guys like Tim Duncan listen to like, wow, you know, like. Uh, it's it's like it's like that one year Louis C.K. was talking about you know he heard like oh wow Chris Chris uh, Chris Ross got a new special or, or got a new hour so all the major comedians from early to mid nineties heard about it in New York City they all went to see him and. The hour that Chris did just blew everybody. I mean, it made Louis realize I'm not doing shit. You know, like I have to work even harder because Chris took it to another level that none of the comedians couldn't even imagine. You right. know what I mean? So I think when what Jordan did, he made everyone who still play, if you want to go where he's at, yeah. you know, they realized he need to go to another level. But I I, I, I hate to say it because I'm a Sonics fan. I, I was mad when he beat him. But when I heard that speech, like, I don't even have to like the guy. And I don't even give shit. He's an asshole. At the end of the day, he's a basketball player. And, like, I really appreciate what he said. It's, 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 it's one of the, it is the greatest I'm a Hall, fame, Hall of Fame speech I have ever heard for but sports. But that's, that's the reason, though. So yeah. that, that's the reason why it, that's when it switched from Miami, I mean, from Chicago to Miami. 
for me because I watched it. And I'm like, how do you get rid of a team I know. that just won six championships? Hey, if, they, if they would come back the next following year, they could have. They could have won, won another yeah. championship. They, I think, they could have done seven. Yeah. Because again, man, Pippen, because Pippen went on to play Houston, with right? Houston, and then he went to Portland, and um, and he still was good. Grant, same thing. So that's where it shifted. And you know, every once in a while, I still kind of watch Chicago, and you know, but it's not the players' fault, but. I I don't even give a shit. You know, they're like, "Oh, we're paying too much money." I don't give a shit. No, they're paying him thirty, thirty-five million. You know what? How much the teams were making exactly. because of Jordan? That's that's not bucket pocket change. You know. Well, you know, Jordan's one of the few people that didn't make most of his money from basketball. He it's, made it's a, it from endorsements endor- and everything yeah. like that. So, I mean, I'm sure he's not complaining now. He's a fucking billionaire now, but. Um, but that fire, man. Time, yeah. That fire. And that's what I said. You, you're not, you're not going to find that from the average basketball player now. It's just not there. These motherfuckers don't play if, 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 if they got a strained calf. That's it. This motherfucker play with a, hundred, with a fucking fever and a flu. I love that. I love that kid in uh, New Orleans. Why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Anthony Davis. God damn it. That guy is just a yeah. beast. Yeah. Oh, that guy's a beast. That dude's going to be there. They're going to put some extra, another one or two pieces around him. And Pelicans, boy, they, boy, they, that guy is unbelievable, man. They they showed a chart of his growth, yeah, like physically his growth from you know college like, to now. Yeah, dude's getting bigger. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And he's like he's putting muscle on and shit. So because you know when he came in, it's frail kind of not frail but like skinny dude. Now he's putting on muscle and shit. He's gonna man, I'm telling you, and and this is why I get mad at, at, at when I look at Miami. I'm like, Kobe is a prime example of it being possible for you to take care of your body and give yourself more Everything. longevity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You said 19 seasons. 19 seasons. It's motherfuckers that don't play four. 19 seasons plus all the playoff game yeah. and Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And getting- Shaq was lazy, man. Yeah. Shaq was lazy compared to Kobe. Now, mind you, yes, Kobe was fucked up for the whole telling everybody's business and shit thing. Yeah. But, but his work ethic... No, you can't question that dude. That dude is he's he, there's a reason why that dude does it. I find myself now when I watch games like watching the Lakers this season, part of me roots for him a yeah. little bit. Where I'm like, he wanted so bad to win, yeah. man. Yeah. Like you wanted for him. Like, okay, yeah, he's working hard. Go do it. You know, I know people call him an asshole. <laughs> I don't even care. You know, like uh I mean, uh, it'll be nice if they're nice, but I, I, I overlook it as long as they don't do something heinous, uh mm-hmm. private life. But to me, the way he's playing at it, like I just admired the guy. Right, and right. Jordan, a lot of people say he's a jerk, probably is. But what he has done with his career, I mean, if he didn't quit that two, you know, if he didn't quit, maybe he would have won that two years when Houston Rocket won championship. He probably would have won those two. You know, it's it's uh, that's what's so aggravating about it, man. Because you know, when they left. The Bulls had the shittiest, one of the shittiest records after they left for like yeah. years. Yeah. Like you couldn't even, you you could, I mean, they still were selling tickets, but you didn't want to go. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't nothing to watch. You know what I'm saying? So um, I honestly feel like if they, if they were to have kept them around, you're talking about one of the best teams ever. Man. We're talking about, I mean, they're mentioned with the Celtics. Of course, but they don't have the championships. They don't have what Celtics have. What eleven, seventeen, some shit, some crazy. eighteen, and Lakers have seventeen. See what I'm saying? Yeah, you know so is that's. I think they could at least got two more. Yeah, they could have got two more. So, who knows? But you know, I have to say, uh, we'll finish now. But 
the Chicago Bulls, I like, man, that that's serious. Every year when they were playing the Pistons, that, <laughs> that was so exciting. It's like watching the Lakers in Boston. Um, it's It was just like, did I you can't. See, you can't get away with that shit now. You know. I oh mean, no! They fucking just, totally changed. They really hate each other. I mean, they really, really fucking hated each other. You ever, did you see the thirty for thirty? Oh yes, I love it. I, right? I, I love that. Uh, it actually made me. I, I looked at the Pistons a little bit different. Yeah. As a Chicago fan, I was like, "Fuck these motherfuckers." Yeah. But I looked at that and I'm like, "Okay, I didn't know that. All yeah. right, I, I still wouldn't root it for Chicago. Isaiah Thomas from Chicago, Southside. You know? Do you believe this motherfucker? The high ankle sprain. He has to hobble up and down yeah. the court, and he's still putting up these numbers. <laughs> Come on, man! They don't make basketball players like that. They also don't look the same. No. Vinny Johnson. Vinny Johnson looks like the dude that like picks up trash. <laughs> you know, like I'm saying, I'm saying like his, his, yeah, the, yeah. His, the way he's built. Yeah. Because he's the, the fucking he's awesome. You can't take that away. Fucking best shot. One of the best. One of the best basket uh, shots. Uh, shooters. I'm sorry. One of the best shooters in the game. So much so he gets the nickname the microwave. Yeah. This dude would hit the shots when he wasn't even in the game. Like he's sitting on the bench, just fucking throwing shit up. So, uh, hold on one second. Hello. Hey. Oh, Tice. Tice. Uh... <laughs> this is really funny. I hope you're not getting yelled at. <laughs> Okay, well, well, Ty, th thanks for doing it. Uh, um, how does the listeners follow you, your website and Twitter oh account? Oh, my God. See, I got information for y'all now. I didn't have yeah. it before. Now I'm, I'm working on my social media game. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, the website is ty, uh, www. That makes me sound old when I say <laughs> your What's your American line email? Uh? <laughs> uh, you can find me on the internet. <laughs> um, ty Barnett dot verb that's v-i-r-b so v is in victor i is in indigo r is in robert b is in boy yeah dot com ty barnett dot verb dot com that's the official website that's up twitter is t barnett 23 facebook is comedian ty barnett and uh instagram is ty barnett 23 all right wait what's 23 jordan's number yeah that's why yeah yeah so I told you I can't I can't not acknowledge yeah. my Chicago roots. And believe me, you know, um at least when I started, there wasn't a lot of Asian comics. There wasn't any until maybe four or five years later with Stan Chin. But I love sports and I really miss those days. Like when you were saying when we used to drive up to uh Canada to do shows, it was fun. You know, we yeah. we talk about comedy, but um it was always fun talking to you guys, comedy and sports, you know? And yeah, um, yeah um, uh, I gotta tell you, man, um, you, you honestly, like you're one of the few friends that I consider friends and that I've known for so long. And I don't, I don't have a, a lot of people that I consider buddies. And so I'm proud of you for sticking with all of this shit. Cause it's, it's not a- Well, you know, I, I, I think it was more tough for you guys because, you know, Travis Simmons, Tony Daniels, Harold uh, Gomez, you, and I don't know Mookie that well, but you know, you guys are black comedians. I, I couldn't believe how kind you were when I do all this racist material. <laughs> well, because you don't fuck. Here's the thing. Here's the difference. There's a difference between people being racist, racial material. The, the ra you know, yeah, 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 being racist and being racial. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. 
and to me, you always fuck with everybody. Yeah, it's not. It's, you don't just pick one and say this. You no, know, you fuck. You fuck with yourself too. So it's to me. I can respect that because it's that's just. I, I think you, you guys knew like I wasn't malicious. No, but no. it's always funny when I do racial material. It's always this white guys come say you shouldn't be saying that stuff. But these are the same white people that don't hang out with black people no. at all. Well, so. they're probably also the same people that probably say the shit not in a joking way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know what I'm saying. So they probably are racist. So no, um, I, I appreciate you, man, and and thank you for letting me do this. This is uh, uh this coming out uh, within a week or two. But what's any big shows coming up? Uh, I actually have a tour. Oh my god! Why didn't I? I should be talking about this tour. I'm starting a tour. Uh, this tour starts. It's called the Divided. It's funny. Divided Comedy Tour. Uh, with Ian Harris. Uh, we have four dates in January. January fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth. It starts in San Jose, California, Arcata, California. So wait. San Jose on the 15th, Arcata, California on the 16th, Ashland, Oregon on the 17th, Salem, Oregon on the 18th of, of, um, of January. The Divided Comedy Tour with myself and Ian Harris. And then we have some other dates coming up. So go to uh, evolutionofcomedy.com to get the information about the Divided Comedy Tour. Yeah, check these guys. Very funny. Ty's uh, <sighs> is a great guy. He'll talk to you. He's not a phony. Buy his merch and uh, follow right. him up. I'm bringing and, it. Um, it's it's a you know um, I think people in the business making mistake not putting you in TV show and shit like that. I mean to have your own show. You know <sighs> what I mean? You know, um, here's here's what I gotta believe, man. Honestly, this is the the realest thing I can I can say and think. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and I don't. I'm I'm a spiritual person. I don't go to church on a regular basis, right. but I'm a spiritual person. And I, I ask, and I, I say, well, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Where yeah. am I supposed to be? And I believe that he has a plan for me. I'm supposed to be somewhere, and I'm going to be where exactly where I'm supposed to be. Sure. Everybody's not going to be Kevin Hart. But shit, Kevin Hart wasn't even Kevin Hart until, what, five, seven years ago? You know, it, probably less than that. So to me, um, yeah, I want it. Of course, I want my own show. Of course, yeah. I want to do this. That's, you know, that's why I'm staying out here. I can do comedy from anywhere. But... Uh, I'm finally at a point in my life where I realize um, what I do is special enough to be special. Yeah, and Period. some and some things are not within your control, and that when you least expect it, somebody's coming come and say, hey. "Who knows?" Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. I, I just got to be in the game still. Like yeah. you said, I, I I may not have put up 20 points yet, but as long as I'm still in the game, yeah, then you're in the game. Know, that's it. And that's the thing. You go to that website, you go to the Twitter page, you go to Instagram. And the one thing you can't say is that I'm not putting stuff up there that's funny. Yeah, and you're hustling. So, you're always working, dude. Got to. Ty, thanks. Uh, thank please you, follow Ty Barnett. Uh, and um, uh, thank you for listening to the show and talk to you guys soon. Later.